We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome to another edition of Henry's Guys, presented by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating. Getting this to you early today because uh, some of it's kind of timely. Uh, Chase Parham and Richard Cross. You'll hear from them in just a minute, about an hour of Ole Miss baseball. Ole Miss and Mississippi State get started in about six hours. Uh, that game at Swayze Field slated to start at 6 p.m. You can watch it if you're not going to be in town on the SEC network. Um, so we'll get to that. He and uh, Richard talk for, like I said, about an hour about that series, about the state of the Ole Miss baseball program. And then uh, Tyler Siski of Quick U Recruiting will uh, join me here in the Clark Ford Studios afterwards. We'll be live. You can comment and participate in that conversation if you would like. And uh, we'll talk about some NIL-related issues that have have popped up. Um, Quarterbacks, Tyler's had a chance to look at. Marcel Marcel, uh, Bell is supposed to be here this weekend. I'm starting to hear talk that Jaden Rashada will be here as well. So uh, we'll talk about both of those guys, just about how NIL is impacting recruiting, how Tyler thinks it might impact uh, locker rooms, teams moving forward, something Lane Kiffin has talked about uh, as recently as this week in his press gatherings with uh, with us as Ole Miss gets ready to wrap up spring football on Saturday with the Grove Bowl at um, Vaught-Hemingway Stadium, that game at noon on Saturday. So uh, that – a lot of things to get to that we'll talk about with uh, him. We'll also talk some NFL draft. NFL draft begins a week from today in Las Vegas. A lot of talk about where Matt Corral might go. Certainly appears that his uh, stock might be rising a little bit here as we get closer and closer to the actual draft. So we'll get to all that in a minute. First, I want to make sure that you know this is brought to you by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating. Uh, Comer, 662-801-1777. It's the same great products, same great services, same great people. just depends on where you are. If you're in Oxford, Tupelo, you want to get in touch with Comer. If you are in um, South Haven, DeSoto County, Memphis, Hernando, you want to get in touch with the people at Southern, 662-429-4429. You want to make sure that air conditioner is uh, ready to roll as the warm weather approaches, as the cool weather starts to get out this weekend. You want to make sure that you're ready to go, that you got the Freon, 
All of that stuff is completely tapped off, topped off and ready to go so that when you ask the AC to cool your house, it's ready to do it. And if you have a problem, I suggest you get in touch with Comer and Southern. Eric Payne, all the people there at Comer and Southern are going to take great care of you. The service is amazing. You'll see what I mean the first time that you reach out to them. Uh, this will be the uh, Friday Oxford Exxon podcast as well, Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford, just next door to the Oxford Crystal. Go in. Um, you can fill up your vehicle outside. Go in and get yourself a uh, great snack selection, plate lunches, uh, fountain drinks, daiquiris, the whole deal there at the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios, Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. Call that number. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. The rest completely up to you. You can shop that quote around or you can do what I've done. What I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today. Again, 662-257-1900. Guest, uh, Richard Cross, Tyler Siski, join on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Rafters Music and Food on the Square in Oxford. Great place if you're coming up this weekend, whether it's for uh, the Grove Bowl or for the Baseball Series or for the Double Decker Festival or some combination thereof. Stop by Rafters, make it a part of your weekend, grab a uh, burger or a po'boy, great appetizer selection, great beer selection, full bar, and more. They're at Rafters on the Square in Oxford and Rafters in New Albany. Don't forget Dead Soxie has an um, event Friday afternoon just outside of Nielsen's on the Square in Oxford. It's from 1 to 5. Jason Simmons, the uh, founder, CEO of um, Dead Soxie, will be there. Uh, you can check out some of their new line. You can talk to him about suggestions you have, thoughts you have. Just talk, shop, or whatever you want to do. He'll be out there from 1 to 5 with a pop-up. You can get some Dead Soxy gear. And if you're not going to be in Oxford, it's okay. Go to deadsoxy.com. Enter the promo code REBELGROVE at checkout. Get 25% off the best socks you will ever put on your feet. So, like I said, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, they get started uh, this evening at Swayze, a big three-game series for both teams. Both teams have a lot of work to do to improve their standing and um, get into the um, NCAA tournament. So, without further ado, here is Chase Parham and Richard Cross talking Ole Miss, Mississippi State baseball, State of the Rebels program, and more. My good friend Richard Cross now joining me on the Raptors Music and Food Hotline, Sports Talk Mississippi, Supertalk.fm. Richard, it's been a little while. It's not golf season, so I haven't seen you in a little bit. I know you've uh, you've done some uh, some Ole Miss baseball, I've done some just different things, obviously your show every single day, and it's, uh, it's good to be with you, to talk to you for a few minutes, but also it's a season, I was about to say unlike any other, but I'm trying not to do that, but one that we're not used to necessarily. You and I have been around for a while, and we haven't seen this. Shouldn't shouldn't we be in golf season by now? By the way, I mean, like it, it it's cold though. This this weekend it changes. Season? Are we you not in the golf season? The, the, yeah, just not a lot. Okay, uh, that's probably my fault though, more than uh, than anything. But uh, yeah, no excuses after uh, after it warms up a little bit. Um, yeah, so this is your twenty two for Mike, and this is your twenty two for me. Kind of being around Ole Miss baseball and, and working with it. Um, his first year was the first year that I filled in on the radio. Yeah. And, um, you know, shortly after that, I, I guess I spent six seasons uh, that, where I was with David for every game 
on, on the radio and have done a lot of television stuff in the last mm, seven, eight years since the SEC network came online. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like I've been around it for a really long time and there have not been many years like this, I guess. Um, you know, I went through a window chase where I was, I was working, but I was still student, mm-hmm. very much a fan. Uh, but, but I've always loved college baseball. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, you know, it was, it was sitting out in left field and, and grilling and I would make road trips and might've gotten asked to leave early uh, in one particular road trip. It, it wasn't at the 2002 season where Ole Miss got to number four in the country and they went to Tuscaloosa and, um, that is correct. They, and, and then they dropped uh, either 10 of 12 or 11 of 12 in the season. Yeah, so that, that 02 season, their Friday game against Alabama was supposed to be a night game, and it got moved up to early afternoon because Alabama was hosting gymnastics, like Super 6 something or other. Um, and there was a large time that was had. Um, and might have gotten asked to leave early. So, yeah, I just say all that to say I've been around it for a long time. Uh, and outside of 02 and a couple of seasons where they've missed the postseason, there have not been many years where it has felt like this, especially at the halfway point. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to go a little bigger picture for the most part, but they are, they're five and 10. I, I wrote a story this morning about basically what they had to do. We're recording this on, on Monday for anybody. I don't really know when I'm running it yet, but um, about when. What they have to do from a metric standpoint, uh, for the most yeah. part, 13 and 17 is the lowest anyone has gotten in. Alabama got in last year at 12 and 17. They won a couple games in Hoover. Ole Miss has an RPI problem, too. I mean, just kind of being the cliff notes. Version. The point being that it feels not even necessarily that the record is the problem, but just how they're playing, that there's an inevitability to this season no matter sort of what the record ends up. And I, and I guess my question for you is, are you watching this – and are you seeing a team that even has the ability to to get hot to whatever you want to say a run is, whether whatever you want to make that out to be? Because when I watch it, the only thing that I see similarly from a season standpoint that I've covered, and like I said, this is year 17 for me, is 2011 maybe. They went 13 and 17. They were not very good. They had some pitching issues. They had a couple of pretty good offensive players. But – it just doesn't feel like the personnel is there. And because of that, it is it is a difficult thing to cover and to follow where you're sort of waiting on, is it going to get better? Because I have a hard time finding the path to make that be the case. Yeah. Um, so, so a couple of things. One, I mean, right, you say 13 is kind of the bare minimum. 14 is where you feel comfortable if you've got RPI numbers that, that stack. I mean, if you're going to get in with 13, you better have an RPI that's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Ole Miss did early in the year, but they've kind of played themselves into not having an RPI that's very good. And so I think 14 probably is the number, uh, absent a pretty significant run in, in Hoover. Um, here's the issue that I've got in looking and going, you know what, this is how they get hot offensively, I, I think there's talent there. And the majority of these guys you have seen hit. Um, and, and at times hit for average. Uh, you, you don't expect to see – and I haven't checked averages after the weekend, so if I'm off by 20 or 30 points, forgive me. But you don't expect to see Hayden Dunhurst hitting 206. You, expect to, you don't expect him to hit 300, but, you know – 255, 260, I don't think that's asking too much. I mean, you, you 
kind of have gotten maybe what you thought from Leatherwood. You think Jacob Gonzalez is going to hit for better average. You don't expect Chatagnier to be hitting 200 or 210 or whatever the number is. Again, not that you expect him to be hitting 330, but but 290. So I, I guess the offensive pieces, I would say, if you told me they got hot, it's going to be because the offense kind of caught lightning in a bottle and drove them. But we haven't it, – it, you, you've kind of hit the point in the year where it's like, okay, win, right? I mean, so you went through four weekends of non-conference and you've gone through five weekends of league play. And so you've played nine of your 14 weekends in the regular season. But now you're just going to be completely different against really good competition down the stretch. That's hard. Um, and, and then the inconsistency on the mound. I mean – you know, I think what Dylan Delusha has given you a couple of times in a starting role is really, really good. Who else do you feel great about? Um, and, and that's not a knock. I mean, it's not like these guys want to be bad. But, I mean, because Josh Mallett's had a couple of good outings, we think that Josh Mallett's is now a front-end guy as opposed to what he was a year ago as a freshman. Not to mention that he had mono and was, you know, yeah. a slow start on everything. I mean, Drew McDaniel, I mean, the, the sample size is big enough, right? I mean, Derek Diamond, we, we know what these guys are. And that doesn't mean that they're not great people. It doesn't mean you don't like them. But it's in terms of, you know, are, are they frontline SEC starters? Do you have a legitimate SEC bullpen? No. And to me, that makes it really, really hard to say, we're going to put this thing together and make a run and, you know, we're going to win – you know, going to flip it, and, and instead of going five and ten in the first half, going to go ten and five in the second half. We're going to go eleven and four, twelve and eight. You're talking about something that's really hard to do when you've got a great team. Never mind when you've got a team that's got significant deficiencies. Yeah, you look at Ole Miss right now, and I, my, I'm I'm not a math major, but I'm pretty sure they would miss Hoover if it were today. I think they would lose the tiebreaker to Missouri, and Kentucky would be below them, and Ole Miss would be one of the two that would that would miss, courtesy of the South Carolina series because Missouri would have a tiebreaker. <laughs> Um, and, and last week, Chase, was the first time where, I mean, I had entertained the, I mean, is this team going to miss the postseason? But yeah. when I said miss the postseason, I was thinking, are they going to possibly not get to the to the tournament? Yeah, not Hoover. I wasn't thinking, <laughs> oh, wait, there only, only 12 teams go to Hoover. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're sitting there, you know, tied for 13th, I guess it was, going into last week. And, I mean – that's not a fun possibility to think about. No, they're, you know, I mean, just quickly kind of, you know, playing off what you're talking about to open up the next topic is offensively, it's not even batting averages. Their own base percentage as a team in league play is 311. 311 OBP as an offense. Yeah. They are so home run dependent. They have pretty bad at bats. I mean, Mike Bianco was asked over the weekend, I guess after the Friday game, when they, they had two hits outside of Elko's four for four night and said, you know, you guys only faced two three-ball counts the entire game and didn't walk, what did you think? And he said, well, we're not a team that takes a lot of pitches. Well, maybe you should be. I mean, at some point, the offense is going to have to adapt, going to have some dudes and different things if they are going to just be more competitive to be better. And the point in saying all that is that, you know, the, the, the Pollyannas go, okay, there have been 13 and 17 teams that have made runs in the postseason. The 2019 Auburn team went 14 and 16 the regular season. They end up in Omaha. They had Tanner Burns. They had an 11 RPI. That was a that was a different animal than what we're we're seeing right now. And when I step back and look at it, the offense has not been good. I think the offense is partly pressing because of the lack of pitching. They never get a chance to settle into a game. It's constantly. I think they know in their heads. There's no Nikhazy. There's no Hoagland. You got to score and you got to score early. And I think it leads to some different things. 
But when you look at the DNA of this roster, it's not a ton different than most Ole Miss teams we cover, except for the juniors and the people who are supposed to be weekend starters are not the same caliber of production as we're used to seeing from those guys in a Mike Bianco program. Drew McDaniel, Derek Diamond, top 175 prospects out of high school that are not participating like that. But that's typically what you see at this point for that program. Jackson Kimbrell hasn't taken a step. Wes Burton is non-existent. You look at the sophomores, and it's Mallets and it's Doherty, but nobody's giving you that extra step. So the two classes that are occupying the most scholarship money, that are occupying the guys who typically progress into these weekend roles, they've just gone absent on it. I mean, Ole Miss had a class that was ranked top five in the country where they're only two producers out of that class are Diamond and and Chatney and McDaniel, if you want to include him at this point. So in some ways, we can talk about the minutiae of this team, but this team was actually – it's a development or a recruitment or however you mix those up, put those together, tear those apart. It's a roster composition problem more than it's even a playing or a coaching problem at this point. And, and, and you know what's interesting about that is if you followed Ole Miss baseball recruiting, you, you know that it's got a life cycle, right? I mean, yeah. there, there's a big class where you expect a ton of contributors and then there are smaller classes, but, but they haven't really missed – on the smaller classes, like even when you've had a year where you didn't bring in 12 or 15 new guys, you brought in seven or eight new guys, five of those eight contributed and, mm-hmm. and, and were difference makers. There, there just haven't been a lot of misses. Now, do you have attrition on every single team? Of, of, of course you do. And, and you even have attrition where guys leave and they go and they start elsewhere, right? I mean, you had Josh Hall starting in right field for, for Auburn this year before he got hurt. And yeah, you had the, the infielder a couple of years ago. Was it Bryce Blom that, that left and, and went to okay. Texas A&M? I, I mean, that, that happens, right? I mean, and, and, and guys leave for a number of reasons, and sometimes other places are just better. But by and large, it's, the, it's been the big classes mm-hmm. that reshape the roster but they've been able to add complementary pieces in, in maybe the other two years between every third year where there's a big class because of baseball numbers. And and they're not in that cycle right now. Uh, I, I mean, I think Carl Lafferty has done as good a job with, I know nobody wants to hear about limitations, right? I, I, I get it. And, and we don't have to go down that road, but yeah. the reality is there are limitations in the state of Mississippi that exist and specifically at Ole Miss that exist that don't exist other places, the, the talent that Carl Lafferty has brought in on this roster, you know, over the course of 10, 15 years is pretty remarkable um, when you consider it. But that's not where they are right now. And and I understand fans' fr- frustration as well when you say, okay, top five-ish coaching salary, top five-ish in terms of investment into the overall program, top five in fan support, top five in, you know, any way you want to measure a college baseball program, almost the top five in the entire country out of 300 Division One baseball teams. And it's not top five results, and it hasn't been top five results. So I do understand the frustration. I've been really hesitant to, to go down the, you know, it's time to make a change thing. And, and I will admit that part of the reason – but I think this is kind of a loser's mentality, and I've come around to it, is, you know, you don't know where you're going to end up next. Because the consistency with this Ole Miss program under Mike Bianco has been remarkable. And everything that Ole Miss baseball is today is a result of Mike Bianco and his leadership and his stewardship of the program. But at the same time, 
given the way last season ended, and and I mean more off season than the way the actual season ended, um, and the pretty clear stuff that was laid out for what they needed to accomplish going forward. I mean, it it, it feels like you're you're headed toward an inevitable ending, right? And and you're just kind of watching it happen in slow motion. Yeah, because it's interesting because we we have the same conversations in our respective shows all the time or with people around town or hell with each other from time to time. But, you know, Ole Miss baseball is what it is because of Mike. Now, in saying that, the SEC has been so much more financially involved with baseball over the last two decades that it's not mm-hmm. like if Mike Bianco had never come around, Ole Miss was still going to be 1996 Ole Miss from an investment standpoint. Probably would be similar to Auburn, if you made me guess. That's kind of where I think I would put Ole Miss and that thing somewhere around the Auburn program at this point. There probably wouldn't be the level of expansion and all these things unless they won under some different regimes and whatnot. We can't predict that future. So it, it, it's right and it's a little misleading all at the same time. And I feel like that's almost kind of the floor for Ole Miss. In a worst-case scenario, Keith Carter fires Mike, makes a terrible hire. What's it look like? Auburn on its bad years, probably, something like that. Because they care more than Alabama. It's not going to be as bad as Alabama could potentially be from time to time. But I think Auburn's probably a decent cop in that. But I guess that's – and that's my point is that, yeah, sure, I mean, it is a loser mentality to a certain extent. We all know the the names that would get mounted about should a a coaching vacancy be available at Ole Miss. And I guess that's where I'm going. We know what happened at the end of last season, the LSU stuff, just the the overall things that the negatives are for Mike Bianco, the one in nine chances to go to Omaha or whatever it is in games. Um, I guess one for nine, it's one in eight. And we are kind of operating under this illusion. Wait, it's not that bad, is it? I think it's, it's one. Only, it's two, one, two from five. He's one in six. six. Two from nine. And, no, it's eight because then they had game threes against Arkansas and Arizona. I thought it was seven super regionals and they've won one. Well, yeah, but they had two chances to go against Texas. They had two chances. Oh, 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 oh. I, I, I see what you're saying. No, no, no. I, I just was saying it, it's seven super regional yes. opportunities. They've got whatever. I mean, yes. <laughs> I, 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 a little minutia there. Right? Your, yeah, yeah, sure. I don't know if it was on your message board or somewhere else where that chart was floating around that, that showed what all 14 teams in the SEC had done at a you know, same time period. It's, the numbers are not good. Hey, yeah. you know what I've thought a lot about? Sure. Is we, I, I guess you've probably talked pretty openly about what actually happened on the LSU deal a, a year ago. Sure. And I've said this on my radio show. I mean, it's not – you don't have to be a rocket scientist. Mike, Mike got played. Yeah. And I've tried to figure out why. And, and obviously that's not – you know, nobody's going to speak just super openly about it. But I'm wondering if it's this. Baseball coaches in recruiting tend to operate on gentlemen's agreements, right? Oh, I mean, okay. you, you think about it in, in recruiting. Once you commit a guy, other programs, generally speaking, they stop, stop recruiting. Mm-hmm. Now, there are a couple of coaches in the current landscape that are challenging that model a little bit. Tony Vitello at Tennessee, chief among them. Maybe a couple of other guys, but largely baseball still operates in kind of a gentleman's agreement mentality. Football is a completely different animal. Until a kid is by God on your campus, in your gear, enrolled in class, he's open to anybody. It, it was only in the last 
like, like I've tried to keep thinking as I've said, how does that happen? How do you let yourself? I can't help but think that Mike Bianco's mentality was we're doing this as a baseball job. And so we're going to play by the gentleman's rules. And Scott Woodward was like, I'm a football guy, man. I don't care about anything about what I want. Mm -hmm. I don't think Scott Woodward is a great human being. I don't think LSU fans care if he's a great human being or not. They want the best coaches and they want only him to do what's best for LSU. Sure. Scott Woodward was simply placating some of the old guard LSU and interviewing Mike so that he could say, I did it. He strategically leaked that it happened. Mike, operating kind of under the gentleman's agreement, had been assured that it wouldn't be leaked. The second it happened, it was leaked. LSU fans reacted as Scott Woodward knew they would, and then he was able to go get his guy. And that's that's what happened there. I just hadn't thought about it that way until recently because I have thought over and over and over in my head, how, how can you let yourself get into that? You, you, you can't go down that road. He, he thought he was getting the LSU job. He did. He thought he was getting it. And, and I don't mean this in a way that Mike is some like naive, dumb person. He's a very intelligent human being, but he's, pretty, but he's pretty insulated. I don't think he even understood the landscape if we got out of the baseball environment a little bit. Yeah, I think you're right, but I think it's also more of he doesn't necessarily get involved in a big, bigger picture sports concept, in my opinion, to even uh-huh. sort of understand that those things could happen. And frankly, I'm not sure Mike, to this day, believes he did anything wrong by going and interviewing no, I would agree with that. I think he believes he was fully justified in traveling to Birmingham and interviewing in that job. Because, you know, we always say, hey, you can do Zooms and different things. Just don't get caught doing that. And I think he would disagree and think he was fully within his rights of doing that. Yeah, I mean, I think Mike would say I've, I've spent 20 years. I've given everything I have. My alma mater, you know, came calling. And it felt like a conversation that I had earned the right to have. And probably would point to the fact that, could have had the LSU job a decade ago, but he and Skip in a place where th- were in a place at that time where they're like, you know, let's just not go down that road. Because mm-hmm. I don't know that when Skip was making that hire, he was 100% sure that it was Mike. And I don't know, Mike was 100% sure that leaving it all this was the right way. And so to avoid potentially souring their relationship with each other, I think when Skip Bertman hired I guess it was when he hired Paul Maneri. It was Maneri. It was after Smoke the They Wall. just, yeah, they just kind of agreed. You know what? Let's let's not do this right now. Um, and and so I think for those reasons, uh, yeah, I would agree that Mike Bianco thought that it was okay. And I mean, if you completely remove yourself from the situation, like you're outside, you're a Nebraska fan, and you're just reading all that happened, maybe you look at it and you go. I get why he would interview for that job, why he would have a conversation with that job. But when you're this close to it, if you're an Ole Miss fan, mm-hmm. if if you're a, a, a Keith Carter critic, a Mike Bianco critic, uh, you know, uh, just whatever, then you're looking at it completely differently. Go, oh, hell no, you can't do that. <laughs> hell no, you can't do that. If you go talk to them, by God, you better take that job. Mm-hmm. And I, look, I'm not in the clubhouse. And it didn't I, work that way this time, clearly. Yeah, and, and look, I'm not in the clubhouse. I don't know either way, but 
at some point, it's probably his players went, hang on, you went, you were, you were going to play for them. Like, it was at least a chasm there that maybe has been fixed. But if you're going to have any locker room issues at some point, it's at least under the realm of possibility that it starts there where the players are going, okay, I get it, but really? The guys that we were in the dugout against, that's where you, you, you traveled to Birmingham on your way to the beach and, and did this or that. You know, I don't know. There's so many elements there because while Mike might feel justified, the fan base has every right to be pissed off about it. I mean, it works from all sides. It's all good either way. And I guess that's where I'm getting is Keith had a very – And the reality, situation. Chase, is it would have been best for everybody if it had worked out last year. Well, yes, that's my point. I mean, Keith had a very calculated deal if that does work out where Dan McDonald, I think, is the head coach at Ole Miss right now. I feel pretty damn certain that it, it would have been done. Um, and I think that my taking the LSU job versus being fired would have been an extra grease point that would have been helpful in that in that situation, which is kind of where I'm going. Keith kind of gambled and lost. It's the worst-case scenario now. Ole Miss is not playing well. Mike comes back, the whole deal. And we've spent an offseason. We've spent a season right now kind of going, oh, well, it's it's Omaha or bust. And we all read the press release that had the new heights and the different stuff. And then we've talked to people. But am I crazy or maybe not even crazy? I guess I'm sitting here today, and it's one of the reasons I text you about this in general, is are we jumping the gun a little bit that it's just some automatic, there's one black and white result that is necessary or there is a change? It's a little more complicated than that, right? How do you mean? Well, I mean, if he goes 10 and 20, look, I fully believe there to be a change. But – and I, I'm just painting scenarios here for my point. It's, I don't know that necessarily Keith told him, no, Mike, you've got to go to Omaha no matter what or you're going to be fired next season. I, I, I have a hard time believing it was that cut and dry given everything else. So I guess my point is he goes 14 and 16. He gets into a three. He wins a regional and loses a super. Look, is that likely? No. I understand that. I get that that's probably crazy right now. <laughs> Do you fire the that? I'm no, just saying, are you, it's Keith Carter firing the guy that has lost three straight Sweet Sixteens. Mm. And maybe it's yes. I guess I'm just saying it, it's why. I, it's yeah, one it, reason why I ask you, what are you talking about today? Because I don't think it's time for that conversation yet. Even though it's headed down that path, is my point. You know, I would put my coaching hat on and say, you know, or my Greg Sankey hat on and go, yeah, we don't really deal in hypotheticals. Sure. Uh-huh. Um, I, here, here's here's where I think it is for Keith Carter. Okay. The reality, I mean, what? You, you've heard this. You've read this on your message board. They lose the series this weekend. you got to fire him. He should step down right now if he was. That ain't happening. No, no, no. The season is going to finish. They're going to go to Hoover or they are not going to go to Hoover. Keith Carter needs one of two things to happen. He needs Ole Miss baseball to play really, really, really well for the next six weeks. Or he needs Ole Miss baseball to continue on the track that it's on. Sure. He doesn't need it to fall in between. He doesn't need them to go. 14 and 16, which, by the way, that's nine and six. That still feels very complicated to get to, yeah. Because if they go 14 and 16 and win two games in Hoover and are a three-seed in Dallas or wherever, and they win a regional. (laughs) How about they win a regional opposite – a super regional, a, a, a top eight national seed upset, and they host a super regional. 
No, that that's not the scenario. And 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 then losing a super region. Yeah, of course. So where are you again? It doesn't need to be in the middle for Keith Carter. Um, I feel, I, I said this to you earlier, I feel like we're watching this unfold in slow motion. Sure. And it feel like, it feels at this point, and, and I hate this as an old Miss baseball fan. As somebody who loves college baseball, I hate to watch it end this way. And maybe it won't. But it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. What what have you seen, if you're being honest with yourself, that makes you feel like, you know what, the final 15 games are going to be really drastically different? Have they got a chance against Mississippi State? Absolutely. State's playing better than they have been. Sure. And State has gotten – they got three good starts this weekend. Their bullpen's a disaster. They got some guys that can throw it out of the bullpen, including – you know, and he's a wild card because he can't control it. Parker Stinnett, who's coming back to his hometown to possibly pitch. Yeah. Missouri's as scrappy as can be, and they are better. Missouri is better than they've been at any point in the last six years, period. Yeah. A&M doesn't suck. Texas A&M is playing better baseball than anybody thought, but guess what? Under Jim Schlossnagel, if you paid attention for the last 20 years, you should have expected that. Mm-hmm. Arkansas – and you got to do it in Fayetteville, has kind of figured it out. That's for well, LSU's the other one. They, they won swing it Rouge once since 1982. And, I, yeah, I don't know if you know this or not, but Ole Miss hasn't been great in Baton Rouge since 1982. You said? Yeah, two. I think. Yeah, two. Yeah. Yeah. Two. Yes. You, you just heard that in stereo. I did. So, could Ole Miss win two out of three against State? Absolutely. Get one at Arkansas? Sure. Win the series against Missouri. Go crazy, man. Sweet Missouri. Possible? Yeah. Likely? Uh, probably not. Get a game in Baton Rouge. That's kind of what they've done every year, right? They'll win one, but they don't they win don't the series. They don't get swept down there very often. They just don't win the series. But then they've had some weird series with A&M. They've had weird series where got swept here in Oxford, but went to their place and hit a million home runs, and, you know, it's warm and the wind's blowing out. I got no idea what happens in that series against – Mike's best friend in coaching who's sure. now in the same division. Yeah, and let me reiterate, I, mean, I wasn't saying that Mike shouldn't be replaced. I was just saying it feels like there's a potential for a middle ground somewhere eventually. And look, I mean, let's be honest, kind of going full circle. Maybe I'm being clouded over a little bit by the lack of anything in basketball and the way that appears to be a train wreck moving forward. Maybe I've gotten my head a little bit and start comparing sports that is not necessarily a fair thing because – yeah, but. I, I I think now fans fans want immediate reaction, right? They want Kermit Davis fired right now, sure. Because they look at next year and they go, next year is not going to be any better, and so all you're doing is wasting a year. I think Keith Carter has shown his hand in so much as he's telling you, no, I'm not going to make a knee jerk reaction. I'm going to stand behind my coaches, but when it's time to make the decision, I'll make the decision. I think if you're a coach, you feel like that's fair, right? You have the conversation with your AD where one bad season and you're out. No, that's not how it is. But you you sit down and you have that meeting and he says, look, you're smart. You know these results aren't good enough. You got a year. You got to be better next year. You got to be significantly better next year. 
And, and if I'm you're not, not willing to be open, I'm not giving you Versace money. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not firing you today either. I don't want – Keith Carter wants to keep Kermit Davis. He wants to keep Mike Bianco because it means stability and it means they're winning. Mm-hmm. Baseball sells. And you sit here – yeah, they are. And baseball is going to sell a lot of tickets next year, whether Mike Bianco is the coach or Dan McDonald's the coach or, you know, they, Yogi Bear is the coach. I don't think that's a possibility. I don't. You know, I get asked, I don't know, hell, once a week right now, given what's going on, where is the Ole Miss baseball job in the SEC? And I'll start rattling off where I think it is, all things considered. And I've got it seventh to ninth in the league, depending on where you want to factor in a couple things. If you, and when I say that, I mean as a if, – if every job was open and I'm a coach and I said you get to go down the list and pick your SEC job that I want to take, okay? I want Vanderbilt. I want Florida. I want LSU. I want Georgia. I want Arkansas. I want Mississippi State. I want South Carolina. And then I want Ole Miss or A&M. You want South Carolina over Ole Miss? Uh, I, I'm not as sure of their scholarship deals. We could bump Ole Miss up over them if you want to. I'm not as well-versed on their increased scholarship situation versus Mississippi. Sure. But I don't know how you get them in that top six or whatever above those other schools. Are we convinced that Vandy does what they do for Tim Corbin for anybody else? Mm. They're winning, and it's the only thing they went out, and they really like it. So I think they would continue to do it unless that program fell to a point that they did not feel justified in doing so. You know, Stanford won at a big level, and then Stanford kind of came back to earth, and now they've gotten good again. They have. Rice is trying to figure it out right now. Mm, I got a mess. Yeah, I know. TCU. I mean, it's remarkable what TCU has done because TCU does not help Correct. baseball the way some of those other programs do. And it's, it's like sixty grand a year for the reason that Schloss left TCU. Yeah, sure. Um. Yeah, I mean, I well, and and you haven't included Texas and Oklahoma as part of the SEC yet either. That's fair. Behind Texas, so, I'll put it ahead of Oklahoma. Point um, being, though, what does that really matter? Really, frankly, your 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 league standing as far as a job, you're not competing against all those jobs. They're not all open. It's irrelevant. You're paying. I mean, according to that ADU thing right now, Ole Miss is paying Mike Bianco the second most of any of any coach in the country. Is that exactly right? I don't know, but whatever. Let's say it's one point four five. Is that? Yeah, it's one four eight, one four five, one four something. It's it, Tim Corbin's the only one ahead. Um, right, wrong, and different. I don't know. Anyway, it is top five, however you want to phrase it. They're going to pay a ton of money. I don't know if they're going to pay one, four, five to the next guy, but they're not going to fall down to 600000 to the next coach either, obviously. They're going to stay committed from a program standpoint, and somebody's going to take this job. So it is a, it is a really yeah. good job. The question is, are you hitting what in your minds is one of those two or three guys that you feel like is absolutely not a fall off, or are you just rolling the dice and seeing what you can get at that point? And you know, so look, Texas got told no like seven times when they hired David Pierce. And part of that is because baseball, maybe a lot more than other sports, those coaches crave kind of their program and stability, and they're not as likely as other sports for whatever reason to jump ship. I don't know why that is. Maybe you have an answer. But you don't see that as much. And unless things are going really poorly. 
And it's one of the reasons why I thought Ole Miss, and look, maybe they get Dan McDonald, maybe Keith wants him, maybe he doesn't want him, hell, I don't know. But it's one of the reasons why I thought they had a better chance last year than this year is that he had kind of a weird year. He was pissed off about the attendance situations around COVID. And there was just a lot of stuff going on. Obviously, Tom Jurich isn't there anymore to really funnel money into that program that they don't make back. There was a lot of stuff. But you've kind of allowed another year to pass for maybe Dan's not as pissed off anymore at the end of 2022. Maybe he is. I don't know. I haven't talked to him. But it's an interesting deal of, you know, if you're Butch Thompson, do you leave Auburn for Ole Miss? Yes. I mean, I think so, too. It's a better version of the job you're in. But I think there are a few coaches like that. And and a guy who has a – massive affinity for the state of Mississippi. Sure. Not to mention just being one of the great human beings alive. Sure. Um, I mean, on the McDonald thing, I I don't know. I mean, Louisville's a mess. Louisville's a mess as a city. Louisville is a mess as a university, and they're a mess as an athletics department. And, and it's been really unstable. Um. So you take the job, you're you're 90 miles, you got to play in, but you're 90, mile, 90 miles from your best friend in the world, your godchildren. I don't know. I don't, I don't know that that matters. I mean, it's not a negative, you, you, my point. You you can thank Dan McDonald for Chris Lamonis being the head baseball coach at Mississippi State. Yeah. He told John Cohen, I'm not your guy, but this is. Go get it. And yeah. Cohen did, ultimately. Um, I don't know. It, it just it, it feels like going down this road of okay, well, you know, what's your hot board? Who are your names? Like it's got to play out. Yeah, exactly. And 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 I mean, I'm just being honest. I like Mike. Uh, I have a good relationship with him, or did at least before you and I had this conversation. I mean, I, me too. Um, he seems to dislike oh. me less than he does most reporters. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to figure out not too terribly long ago how many times I've interviewed him. And it's probably in the, like, 500 range. And and, and that's different because of the radio stuff. And so it was like, you know, after every single game, 60 times a year for three straight years, and it's three or four or five years in a row now where – Mike has joined us on the radio every single Monday. So there's a relationship there. And, you know, locally through some charity things that we've worked on together. And, and I want Mike Bianco to succeed. I, I, I like him. I like his family. Uh, think the world of Candy. I mean, absolutely think the world of her. And so that's what makes it hard, right? Maybe harder living in a small town than if you live in a place like Nashville or Lexington, and you know you probably don't have relationships directly with coaches and their families, you know, in a in a bigger city setting. But, and frankly, this conversation is not any different than the one with Kermit. I mean, Kermit Davis is loved here because he and his family have engaged in the Oxford community and they've been part of all the things that are going on. Yeah. The reality is if Mike's the second highest baseball coach in America, it's not because he's, you know, a great ambassador for the Oxford chamber of commerce. It's to win baseball games. You know, if Kermit Davis is making $3 million a year, it's not because he's a good neighbor in his neighborhood and, you know, he's fun to have on your, your scramble team. (laughs) 
It's to go win basketball games and to get yeah. to the tournament and then make some noise when you get there. Um, so so I, I understand why we are where we are. And, and I think we've kind of gotten to the point where you know what the uh, – Chase, if it doesn't turn around, there's only one outcome. Sure. And that's that they go a new direction. Yeah, and it and it wasn't necessarily even hot boarded or anything like that. And I, I know you don't necessarily think it was. I'm just kind of reiterating for the people listening. It was more of somebody is going to take this job. A really good baseball coach is going to say yes to the university. Yeah, coaches baseball team, whether that's Eric. Bakich, and you know what, Butch Thompson or whomever the hell it is. Going back to the thing earlier about the whole well, what if you don't get somebody that's as good, and that being a loser's mentality. Here's the here's the the nasty truth, there are a lot of really good baseball coaches out there. There are 300 Division One jobs. Mm-hmm. Everybody talks Tony Vitello, Tony Vitello. You're probably not getting Tony Vitello. You know what the big secret about Tennessee baseball is? Frank Anderson, the other guy who got ejected on Friday, mm-hmm. he's the guy that runs that program on the day-to-day. Tony Vitello misses a lot of Tennessee baseball practice. You know why? Is he out recruiting? Mm-hmm. He doesn't send his guys out. He goes out, especially in the fall, less so probably in the spring and in season. But Frank Anderson runs that program on a day-to-day basis. Um, <laughs> I don't know if, if the events of the weekend change how you look at Tony Vitello or not. I mean, obviously, that's the hottest name in college baseball because of what Tennessee is doing. You know, how happy is he? Um is there a number that you throw at a guy like that? I don't feel like Ole Miss should pay this baseball coach $2 million. I don't. Well, let, well, let me ask you why. Because you're paying your women's basketball coach $1 million yeah. to lose $7 million a year as a program, and you got your baseball program out here drawing nine times more people per game, generating revenue, being yeah. relevant nationally on a year-in, year-out basis. So why is it that you should? Okay, no, okay let's do it this way. And I'm, and I'm not avoiding your question. I'm not trying to do some red herring thing. Let's do it this way. If you decide, you know what, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna make Tony Vitello the highest-paid coach in the country, and he's going to come coach Ole Miss. And that is or whomever. Gonna... Yeah, whatever. Okay. What are you basic? What, what is the standard or the baseline of success required to do that? Because I feel like Ole Miss is a program that absolutely should have been in the College World Series more over the last 22 years as they have. There's no doubt about that. And maybe it's just in the conversation over year and year. But at the – and, again, I don't want to have the scholarship conversation. People hear that word and they freak the hell out. So I'm trying to avoid that. But I also don't believe you're going to put Vanderbilt classes together year over year over year over year and build a 35-man roster full of that level of talent, which – Maybe you got to coach it up and develop it, and you got to look like Mike did from 04 to 09. I don't know. I just wonder, are you going to pay $2 million a year for one out of four, two out of six, three out of five? I, I don't know. I just – I don't know how the ceiling matches the salary at a certain point. But maybe I'm wrong. I mean, you, you – all, right. all right. So so you're one out of five number. Yeah. We're not having this conversation today if it's one out of five. Oh, well, not even close. No, there's a big statue in front of the stadium right now. I mean, four trips to Omaha in the last 22 years, 21 years. 
20 years because of COVID, we're not having the conversation at all. But because it's. And I think I'm agreeing with you the more I'm talking, or at least coming around to it. But you're going to be more impatient with that guy. Sure. You got to fix it quickly. No doubt. I mean, I, I don't think you expect it to be a one year turnaround, but if, if that's the route you're going to go, I, I suppose my question would be why not? Yeah. Now, I'm not Keith Carter. I don't have to write the check. That, that's fair. But I know their budget's $130 million. Well, and it makes as it, a department, even. and it's about to be 150 million in four years. I mean, so an extra not, 300 grand to not get the coach seems kind of stupid, doesn't it? I mean, if that's your guy, and now look, I'm not sure. No, I, and I don't want people to get caught in the weeds here. I don't even know that Tony Vitello takes the job for two and a half. I have no idea. I know nothing about Tony Vitello and his coaching yeah. interest. You, you know what's going to be fascinating to, to me. So is if you go out and hire, I mean, this is so hypothetical, right? This is Ole Miss moves on from Mike Bianco and they go, I mean, let me use a, a Scott Woodward phrase. They go big game hunting. Yeah. And they're going to pay whatever they got to pay to get whoever their guy is. And he goes, Hey, tell me about this expansion that you're about to start. Well, you know, this is kind of the rough plans. And now when's when's it starting? Well, it's you know part of a bigger project, three or four years. No, I don't think we're gonna wait three or four years on that. Does this push forward the timeline on the next round of upgrades to Swayze? I don't Which, know by that. the way, Go ahead. is gonna take you to eighty million dollars invested in Swayze Field over the last sixteen years. Is it really eighty? Okay. I had not done that math. Um, I don't know that it can because they're already having supply chain issues and money issues with the Manning Center. So at some point, there's no way to do that. Like, I understand what you're saying, and it's a good hypothetical, and it's an interesting topic. But they're having a hard time staying on schedule for something that is much more important and time-sensitive with the Manning Center and the the football stadium. So it might just be one of those, hey, look, you got one of the top facilities in the league, and it just is what it is, bud. Here's here's $1.5 million, and – enjoy your 10,000 people per game and you're really nice indoor and, and call it like it is. And the big circus tent out there is just going to have to hang out for a couple of years and you're going to have to deal with it. Which, by the way, when it's full is not that bad. It's fine. It's easy to make fun of, but it's really not that bad. It's fine. Yeah. It's, you know, I don't know that I would have named it 4111. I probably would have just put a big logo on there that said Old Miss Baseball. But aside from that, I got no issue with it. <laughs> And what they did, and while it does make sense financially, is those people are those people are getting their placeholders for when it is a permanent structure. Yeah, and you've already got it built in, and it's whatever. And I understand that, and it's it's generating. Why when you have people beating down the door saying, "Let me give you money," and you're like, "Well, I mean, we could do this," and they're like, "Okay, sure, Mm -hmm. do it," or or show me the other way to generate an extra two hundred fifty thousand dollars for the program this year. Sure. Like I'll take that tent down if you want to write me a check for two hundred fifty thousand. Sure. Actually, we'll say after rental fees and cost of putting it up, you write me a check for two hundred thousand. We'll take it down. Yeah, nobody's cutting that check. But by golly, let's make fun of it. Let, yeah. I mean, let's make fun of it. 
let's not say, wow, it really is incredible that Ole Miss is one of the few programs in the country that can put a hospitality tent 450 feet from home home plate and generate a quarter million dollars revenue with three months' notice. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to look at it that way. They would just be like, oh, it's ugly. Shut up. Sorry, Dylan. And it shows you that, look, you can't get, you can't suck. But if Ole Miss baseball is competitive, it's going to sell out and fill up every season, no matter who the coach mm-hmm. is. Because it's an event. It's turned into an but event. There's not a ton other to do. All the stuff. All the stuff. All the stuff. Remember when weather used to be good during baseball season? Yeah, it's gone. Everything's moving like back a month now. Yeah. It takes longer to get there for like a month. If this is it, and this is the crazy hypothetical, but I mean, hell, you, you know him better than I do. What's Mike do? Mike wanted to coach more. Mike told me two falls ago he would like to be a college baseball coach 10 more seasons. I'll just just throw it out there. I've got mine. Kentucky. Well, until I think he saved his job, I was going to say Alabama. I think think Mike Mianko at Kentucky is – I mean, if if Mitch Barnhart could hire Mike Mianko – do you not think he would do so in a second? Would Ray Tanner hire Mike Bianco? Hmm. They're buds. He called Ray Tanner on his first day on the job and said, who do I hire? And Ray Tanner said, Dan McDonald. Well, it certainly couldn't be any worse at South Carolina. It's a program that's that been a bit. They won two titles in a row because they suck. Yeah. I do think he coaches somewhere. I don't think he's done. Does he take a year off? Maybe, and in baseball you could do that. And I think he gets a good job. Like I don't like I've heard people say it. I don't think he has to go down a level or anything like that. Hell, he's a accomplished baseball coach. By the way, the second this season ends, mm-hmm. things get really busy for Mike Bianco. Team USA. He's the manager of Team USA this summer. He is. Which I would okay makes this an even stranger potential situation because you're firing the head coach of Team USA. It's kind of an odd look, isn't it? It is, but I mean that's not affecting your pool. No, 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 it doesn't affect what you do. And it was smart for him because it also gets you around a bunch of dudes that might be transferring out of their schools, and Ole Miss needs transfer portal help because they don't have a lot of money left over for portal. It's the other kind of negative of the scholarship thing is that they allot all their money because they don't have a ton of it to four-year guys or junior junior college guys, and they don't have crazy roster turnover. They don't have a lot of money for the portal. Just a thing, but whatever. You not have a million dollars sitting in the slush fund for NIL for baseball? Not quite. The uh, the, the you want to tra- hey you want to transform a roster in baseball? There, there's your ticket because that's not being done right now. But you got a few places that are doing a little bit in terms of NIL for baseball. That state supporter, is he still trying to do that thing that started like six, nine, 12 months ago? Yeah, I don't, I don't think that didn't take off. I don't think that happened. Okay. Like I, I think that has been shuttered. You've given me more time than I thought. Last thing before I let you go. Where's Lane Burroughs' next job? And how far is Jake Gotro from being a head coach? More like Ooh. asking questions. 
Somebody's going to hire Jake Gotro, and they're going to be glad they did. He's going to be, Ole Miss can't hire Jake Gotro, but he's going to be one hell of a college baseball coach. And I don't think Wayne Burroughs is a guy that uh, I don't think that's a splashy enough name. Does some good things. In, I know. I, I understand. I mean, would Tony Vitello splashy out of Arkansas necessarily? Was the baseball guys, but I mean, he was a, he was a hitting coach. All right, give me the most random college baseball coaching name that is a great coach that if Keith Carter hired him, people would be like, what's this more I'm thinking? But would end up being a fantastic hire. I've, I've got mine. Okay, you it's not yours. Okay, I've got an answer to that, and but then before I do that, I think Eric Backage would do a really good job at Ole Miss if you could get Eric Backage. But he he's been to a College World Series final that doesn't count. Uh, Chris Paul. They have taken a little bit of a step back. He's at Michigan. I'm not I'm not faulting him for it. Okay. Uh, Chris Paul or Duke? At Duke? Yeah. Okay. Jim Penders at UConn. That's your guy. You've been telling me this for years. You like Jim Penders. Really good baseball coach and a great pitching coach. Now, maybe their pitching coach gets the head coaching job at UConn. I I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I have. I, I have mentioned Penders to you before. Yeah. Why is he still there? Good question. Kind of a grinder. Loyal. Had a lot of success. I don't think he would take went, it. Went, went to school there. Yeah. And, and, and I got a little – that name got thrown to me with Pollard, and I got to thinking about it, and I like it more today than when I first heard it. Somebody on the board actually giving them credit said that, and that kind of stuck with me. Um, the guy that I thought would be really good here, but honestly I don't think he would take the job, is Dan Hefner. At Dallas Baptist? Yeah. Hmm. But from talking to people, he wants to stay in the Metroplex, and he would like to stay at a religious institution. Did they get swept by Bradley this weekend? I haven't here. I know. I know they lost Thursday. I mean, look, look, okay. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. So, not, not that you're making a decision based on a weekend series results. Uh, let me um, uh, let me be the one to really ruffle the feathers. Then, okay. Just, I mean, we're so far down this road now. What about Scott Barry? You would know more than me. I mean, I, I get asked that a lot, and to be honest, I've never spoken to the man except for after Ole Miss Southern Miss baseball games. I have no idea. Scott Berry might be my favorite person in baseball. Okay. Uh, he just uh, – I think he is um, a great human being. I think he's an incredible baseball coach. I don't know how much longer he wants to go. I, 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 he and I have never talked about that. I think he's closing in on 60. Uh, and so maybe that's I, – I, I just look at what he has accomplished without the resources that would be available to him here. Mm-hmm. and go, what might that look like if he didn't have – because I don't think that would change who he is or how he coaches, Sure, but I do think it would be a different deal. A better um, version of the same thing. I mean, one would think, and their version's been pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a okay. really good pitching coach, too, at Ozzie. 
Yeah, Ostrander's done a great job. Yeah, that's been not a secret, but that's been the other part of that for for sure. Yeah. So I don't know. And look, it can, can be I say, like that. I mean, I mean, I no guarantee it's just Dan or Cliff. I mean, that, that that's that's too short sighted. Why why does the Cliff thing feel weird to me? Like that's not happening. Look, and I mean, this will probably get used against me at one point. If Cliff Godwin's the coach, Cliff's one of my best friends in the profession. I it would obviously not be bad for me personally or professionally. I wouldn't hire Cliff unless I got pretty far down the list. I think there's a chance that Cliff. I think there's a chance that Cliff relates better with a mid-major team or than a team that recruits a lot of top 100 athletes. Could be completely wrong. I mean, he could go to Omaha nine times in a row at Ole Miss. But my gut feeling is that he coaches in a way, unless you put your staff together a certain way to kind of move around that, that he is better coaching a roster with a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, it's, it's a hard-edge chip on his shoulder thing. Uh, and – you know, I did their super regional a couple of years ago when uh, they were at Louisville, mm-hmm. and you know, very clear. And, and and talked to him when it was in Oxford. You know, when, when they've come here a couple of times, also. And I, I know you are close with him, but that's that's a that's a good characterization there. Yeah. Um, he also bunts a lot. A whole lot. be well received. Yeah, he's he's a big bunner, big time bunner. So it was Augie Garita. Worked out okay for him. Oh, look at you. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I kind of saw that in person. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. Okay. Uh, can I can I be on the record as saying? Oh, feel free. I want Mike Bianco to go thirteen and two in the next fifteen games. <laughs> you can. <laughs> Just to make that clear, real quick, before we, before we get done. Thirteen and five. That gets you to. Get you to eighteen and twelve. Oh, back at the national scene, right? baby. Here we go. Okay. Uh, that's a top eight. Yeah, you go thirteen and two in the next fifty. These next fifteen. Yeah, how's this weekend play out? By the way, four in a row against Mississippi State starting Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Tuesday. My prediction is they go two and two, but lose two of the three on the weekend. The selection committee considers the Governor's Cup an SEC game, so technically that's just two and two. It won't be to the fan base, but just saying from a selection committee stand standpoint. I think State has a little more of an identity than Ole Miss right now. I think that's Ole Miss's problem is even offensively, I just don't think they have an identity. You've got players asking the fans to stick with them through media interviews, a little bit of a weird deal there. Uh, it, it If State comes in with energy, Ole Miss is going to have to play really well. That is my, that is my guess. I mean, this is the weekend for – Ole Miss to kind of hook its hand, fan base and get them to hang with them. Yeah, either way. Yeah, sure. You win the series and, you know, it's just reads first. Thing. Go to Arkansas, don't get swept, Marcel, come back, beat Missouri. Marcel. You can keep the fan base active. You can do that. Brought my dad. Yeah. But they're going to start counting wins. At some point, you got to get to 13, you got to get to 14 because their RPI is 55 today. 55 is a long way from 40. There's been one team outside the top 40 get into the NCAA tournaments in an at large bid since 2008 in the SEC with a under 500 record. One. Cool. A&M in 2014, and they had a 10 and 10 record against the top 25. Ole Miss doesn't have that. Ole Miss has zero wins against the top 25 currently. Right. They're 0 and 4. That's my opportunity in the next five weeks, though. 
They do. And they get Southern Miss on the road. It's an RPI game. Yeah. So they have that as well. So anyway. Southern Miss, are they, are they still top 10? Uh, RPI, they're at 13. I don't know what they're ranked, but okay. their RPI is 13. So I know you can Good. do this for several more hours here later in the day. So uh, appreciate it, bud. Let's do it again. Absolutely. That was uh, Richard Cross. There, You can see Tyler Siski here. I'll take Tyler off the camera for a minute because I've got to pay a few bills here. Uh, sorry about that, but I'm making sure it worked. And it was. So uh, it was Richard Cross along with uh, uh, Chase Parham talking about the uh, Ole Miss-Mississippi State Series, Ole Miss baseball, and more. Um, Tyler Siski with Quick U Recruiting is going to, uh, to join in just a moment. You saw him there. He's here in the Clark Ford Studios. First, I want to tell you about some of the people that make this show possible game changer patches the only two patch system available in the market to stop hangovers before they start the warm-up patch used before or while you drink the overtime patch used um, after you've been drinking to recover while you sleep the all-natural ingredients keep you in the game ready for the next play go to gamechangerpatch.com promo code rebelgrove20 at checkout get uh, 20 percent off your purchase acs is owned by my buddy clay mcnutt involving mississippi it's a complete electrical control system solution provider and a Rockwell Automation Recognized System Integrator. They've got a full-time dedicated emergency service and troubleshooting staff and a UL508A panel shop. They can custom-tailor software packages, custom-design electrical control panel solutions, and so much more. Uh, they can service and install Rockwell Automation, Allen Bradley, Siemens, ABB, Square D, many other manufacturers. To get in touch with them, go to acsllcms.com or call 662-601-4381. Brought to you by Lamons Fine Jewelry. Lamons at uh, 1126 North Lamar Boulevard in Oxford. They've been serving the Oxford area for three quarters of a century. Whether you're looking for engagement rings, wedding rings, fine jewelry, watches, pearls, fashion jewelry, children's jewelry, collectibles, more, Lamons is the gold standard in fine jewelry. So visit them at LamonsFineJewelry.com or call them at 662-234-2777. College Corners, one-stop rebel shop, two locations in the Jackson area. In Ridgeland, it's next to Fleet Feet and Flowood. It's next to Half Shell. If you don't live in Jackson, just go to collegecornerstore.com. Plus, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram. We've got a Mind on My Money podcast up on the MPW digital feed. It's brought to you by Pinnacle. Pinnacle uh, provides detailed, specialized investment management, financial planning, retirement planning for individuals and businesses, and so much more. At Pinnacle, investing is treated like a commodity. Decisions are made using objective information and research, not emotions. So regardless of your level of wealth, Pinnacle is going to sit down with you, listen to your goals, study your expenses, and put forth a comprehensive, detailed financial and retirement plan built just for you. It's mypinwealth.com, M-Y-P-I-N-N wealth.com. And we're brought to you by John Edwards, Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. If you're thinking about traveling this summer, planning a holiday trip, Here's what I recommend you do. Get in touch with John, give him some parameters, give him a budget, and then just sit back, do nothing. He's going to come up with all sorts of plans for you as detailed or as simple as you'd like. You don't have to live in or near Memphis to take advantage of his services either. Just call 901-494-3387 or uh, hit him up at Edwards at regencytravel.net. First-time clients can save $50 off their first booked trip just by telling John you heard about Regency Travel on the podcast. Listen, a lot of you coming up this weekend. Make sure you stop by Opa, Oxford's newest restaurant on the square. Delicious menu featuring euros, wraps, kebabs, fresh redfish, lamb chops, handcrafted cocktails, frozen libations, and amazing candlelit patio. All of that at 306 South Lamar, just south of the square courthouse in Oxford. As I was telling you, and I'll get to that screen here. Got a lot of things going on on my uh, on my page here. 
Um, we got it done. There he goes. Tyler Siski uh, with Quick Recruiting, the CEO of Quick Recruiting. Got a lot going on there. Kind enough to uh, join in the Clark Ford Studios. Tyler, how are you? Doing great. How are you doing? I am good. Appreciate you uh, stopping in. Say hello. So you and I talk a lot about all sorts of stuff anyway. And I, I've told you, I told you this the other day, that there are a handful of people that when they speak, I kind of listen to them because they don't have anything to lose anymore. And um, Nick Saban's one of those people. I mean, he's won 600 championships or whatever. I mean, if if Nick Saban, I told you a minute ago, if Nick Saban went eight and four and eight and four and retired in the next two years, he goes down as the greatest coach ever. So he would have to do something scandalous to affect his his uh, his reputation. And given that. When he talks about things, big picture things like NIL and such, I sort of listen, right? I mean, right. this isn't a knock at Lane Kiffin at all because I listen to Lane too because Lane's just kind of frank, kind of unfiltered. But Lane's still develop- Lane's still not even 50 yet. Lane still has years left coaching. Lane still has things he wants to win, things he hasn't accomplished that he wants to do. And So sometimes when you hear him talk about it, you do have to at least contemplate the thought that – well, some of this is self-serving, and, right. and who could blame him, right? That's not yeah. a, that's not a criticism. In the same way that when Jimbo Fisher talks about it, like, ah, ain't no big deal. I'm like, okay, well, you're the one benefiting from it, so I, I have to take that into consideration too, and there's a lot of heat on on Jimbo to win and, and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, I'm listening, and um, but it's different when Saban talks about it. And Saban's talked about NIL a lot, dating back to – I guess the morning of or the day before the national championship game against Georgia back in January, he's been carefully critical of it. He has been um, – seems to be advocating for limits on it, yet like Lane Kiffin, can't really come up with a way to do that, and I don't know either. But you've worked for Nick Saban. You've been in that building. You've been – with him on recruiting trips and all of those things. When you hear him talk about NIL, what what are your thoughts as someone who knows the the business, even though you got out of it before NIL kicked in, but you know and now you know everybody because you're you're talking to Cincinnati and Western Michigan and LSU and right. every Akron and everybody else under the damn sun. You know everybody. So what 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 are people saying? And when you hear Saban talk about it, what what are your thoughts? Well, you brought up something very uh, interesting. I don't think a lot of people think about when Lane complains about NIL and Nick complained about complains about NIL. They both have one thing in common: they were both NFL head coaches, and so they know what's coming. It's a great point. And so they understand free agency and they understand salary caps. They understand all those things and problems. I'm sure we'll talk about here in a little bit with NIL, but. You know, Nick. Every time that he says something like that in the media, he's trying to get a message out there. And I, I talked about it on the podcast the other day. I wish more of them would say it. It's going to take Lane to keep talking. It's going to take Nick to keep talking to, to create change. Change has to occur because this is not getting better. And just like we talked about, I think, last time I was over here, people think this thing's going to slow down and it's going to catch up. It's getting worse daily. And, um, you know, I think everybody's starting to realize what the problems are, and there's becoming haves and have-nots real quick uh, because of the money that they have in NIL. So, Alabama, people think about it as this, and I covered Alabama 
indirectly when I was covering Auburn and then when I was covering the SEC and, and, and in Mobile. And so I've certainly been in that state. And I was in that state when Saban was hired. I know the the landscape that had to happen for Saban to take that job. And you see the incredible success that he's had and the recruiting success that he's had. There's a perception that they just have an endless amount of money. And yet if you talk to industry people, they'll tell you, no, Alabama's not – they're not one of the have-nots – but they're not one of the elite halves either. They don't have Texas's money. They don't have Texas A&M's money, USC's money, um, Miami's money maybe even right now. Uh, Oregon's money perhaps is, is one of the ones that's really popping up a lot when you have conversations with people. So where, does, where does Alabama fall in sort of the, the, the pecking order with NIL as this thing gets – because I think it's kind of starting to get weird. Yeah, so I think, you know, especially, well, guess what fancy is when you look at, okay, who has – a lot of NIL money. It's the private booster money, you know, and, and no, they do not have as much as, you know, every Texas school. I mean, you could probably make an argument that Rice is going to have more private booster money. It's just a matter if they're going to have access to it. You know, I think where Alabama is still okay, I think when you're going to have LSU is going to be okay, is what we were talking about earlier is with the collectives because brands are still going to want to associate with Alabama, with LSU, with those blue blood schools, even if they don't have that money. So from a collective standpoint, they're actually going to have more than, say, probably even a Texas A&M collective. But it's the private booster money going into that. That's where they're not going to have as much. So I think it'll all wash out there. Uh, but you're dead on. They're not going to have – I mean, I don't even know where I would say in the pecking order, but they're not up where the schools that you just mentioned. Not even close. When you talk to people around the country, and you do, you talk to, I mean, the recruiting departments of – a whole bunch of schools. I don't want to get into your business too much and ruin your Bye. your announcements, but <laughs> we're just doing a one a week, one a week. Let's yeah, I know. We'll stretch these bad I, boys out. I'm aware. End of the year. Um, but when you do, when you're talking to these guys. What are, I, I know, you know, you're you're selling your your business and stuff, but you're having small talk too. When, when you talk about nil transfer portal stuff, what is how has the business? How much has the business changed in just two years? Oh. Um, well, a ton because the people that are running recruiting departments right now were probably cutting up film three years ago and all of us old heads are getting out. And, uh, matter of fact, I guess, it, I don't know if, I guess it's public. We, you know, we hired at our place, uh, Dave Shoemate, who was the director of player personnel at central Florida. He just left that to come work here for us. He just moved to Oxford. And, uh, so a lot of people, I get phone calls daily about try guys trying to get out because of the portal NIL and it's just nonstop job right now. I mean, it's nonstop. Um, the biggest issue that a lot of recruiting departments are having right now with NIL is what was $50,000, what $50,000 could buy you six months ago now cost a million dollars. NIL is getting out of hand. The market's been set quote unquote. I guess we can put quotes on that. Yeah. And, uh, it's, they don't, I mean, what are you supposed to do? I mean, we got transfer quarterbacks going for a million dollars. Yeah. So that's what I want to get into. Cause I'm, this is where you, you've. You played. You've been a on the field coach. You've been a recruiting director. You've sort of seen all this. You know head coaches and stuff. You know locker room dynamics. So first of all, hey, kudos to Nico Imaliva for getting Good for him. Got. I mean, look, none of this is a criticism. Get it. Get it while you can get yeah, it. Yeah, get it, bud. Go for it. Cool. Good for you. Um, there's talk that Arch Manning's going to get more than that, which is. is 
and he probably will. About two and a half million dollars more if you just want to get specific. Yeah, yeah that's what I've heard. Um, <laughs> so now, here's what's interesting. So there's some other quarterbacks. We'll start with quarterbacks, and then because we'll, I'm going to okay. take this, we'll take this down a path a little bit. There are other quarterbacks that go okay. So I see how this works in other in in, in the real world in sports, right? If if Carlos Correa gets thirty five million dollars a year, and um, the next best shortstop gets thirty two, Dansby Swanson goes, "All right, look, I'm not Correa. I got that, but I want a ring, and I put up these numbers and these numbers and these numbers, and if you do a percentage, that means I'm worth twenty seven million." And all, and he goes, and and if the Braves go, oh, I don't know about that, dude. You know, thanks for all you did. He goes, okay, I just need one of the other twenty nine teams to think I'm worth it, and if yeah. I am, I am. And so, I hate to bring up a name here because it's not fair to the kid, but all of these kids, the high ranked kids, with a rare exception here and there, they have people that are around them, family, obviously. <laughs> yes, they do. They have uh, coaches, seven on seven guys, essentially agents. And those agents are going to the collectives and saying, all right, I've got so-and-so, and and he, maybe he's not Nico, maybe he's not Arch, but he's close. You can't get Nico, and you can't get Arch, but you could get him, and it's going to cost X. And these collectives are going, man, this is insane. It is. So how do you, how do you as a coaching staff – and I know coaches can't talk about it. Give me a break. How do you how do you decide? Yeah, that's that's worth doing. That's worth going down that road because you know where I'm going with this. Let's let's pick on Nico here. We just okay. gave him Look, I think Nico's going to be a great quarterback. Okay. I really do. I think in the end he's probably worth it. But he's made of flesh and blood. Say he gets hurt. Say he gets in trouble. Say he can't handle the pressure, can't handle the lights. Can't handle the the scrutiny um, that comes with being the quarterback at Tennessee. Can't handle the heat that you get when you get beat by Alabama 38-13 to 13 and you threw four picks and now everybody's saying overrated, undependable, not worth it, bust. And you got to turn around that next week and you got to go to Fayetteville or whatever the case may be, right? right? You got to go play Auburn or whatever. That's That's pressure, and you know that. You recruit kids. You don't know – what there's a jump from hey I played at at Madison Central to I'm going to go play at at uh, Florida small yeah small just, just a moment there and, and and they're kids. What happens the first time that one of these kids do bust? Like I have a Shea Patterson bust, yeah. Where where and Shea was okay. He would have got paid. He's yeah, a great oh, example. Big time, big time. But let's say that you paid Nico, you paid Shea Nico money, and then Nico has a Shea career, which was just fine. It wasn't actually it wasn't very good. It was very average. You have that career. What happens? What's the fallout inside a building? So you got two major issues with that. One is coaches are already getting fired at a rapid rate. Yeah, this is just going to add to it. That's all it's going to do is add to it because you're the coach that wanted you know player X. I got eight million dollars invested in him, or ten and a half million dollars, ten million dollars, whatever it is. And first of all, you're going to have to play the guy. Okay, you got to play the guy. You can't bring in. You, there's no booster that's going to pay $8 million for a quarterback to sit on the bench. That's not happening. Yeah, it's the equivalent of if you sign Dansby Swanson to the $27 million contract. He's got to be He's your shortstop for the next six, seven years. Correct. So when he doesn't work out, either you're, if he does not work out, you're getting fired because you're losing, 
or if you got to go play the best guy who may not be on the payroll, but you got to go pay the best guy, okay, when that happens, you're going to get fired because you're, you, you're not using your money wisely. Or a booster that's – the guys that are paying that kind of money are usually your really, really, really big boosters. They're going to disassociate. Now you're not going to have that money because it's a single source of money. That's going to be problem one. Problem two, and I think that's what you're alluding to, is the dynamic and chemistry inside of a locker room. Yeah. So <clears throat> I don't want to name names. I'm very uh, close. I will put it like that. Very close with uh, a very uh, elite, I guess, uh, NIL agent. That's a marketing agent. And one thing he does, and and I think it's ingenious, is he makes whatever a player makes. Player makes a million dollars. In his contract, half of his money goes. They split it amongst the teammates to prevent. Oh. To prevent. To prevent that dynamic. That dynamic. Right. And I think that's really smart because if you got, you know, you got the but offense. That's not going to happen across the board. Not going to happen across the board. Okay. And uh, But I think that's very wise to do um, because of exactly what we're talking about. You're going to have certain – at the end of the day, we can talk about whatever we want to. The quarterbacks is, is who's going to make the real money. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's not going to be the defensive lineman. You know, McKinley Jackson would not have the same value as, you know, uh, whoever, quarterback. They're not. Quarterbacks are going to set the market. They're always going to be the high-paying guys. And so well, – They're the face of the franchise. Face of the franchise, just like the NFL. That's sure. who gets paid. That's the reason I use the term. But they're not going to – you know, in the NFL, those defensive tackles or left tackles, they're getting paid too. It's not the same in college. You know, the quarterback's getting 90% of the money being distributed. And so that's where you're going to have some jealousy issues, some chemistry issues. There's no way to prevent it unless you split it amongst – equally amongst everybody. And that's why I think Nick's upset about the model being flawed. I think that's just one part of it. Uh, but that's the issue, and you got to have a really good collective to uh, prevent that. Yeah, it's um, it's really kind of fascinating to see how it's just developed, how much it's changed in just a few months even. As the, Quick. As the market. It's, it's, where, it's where I think Lane is exactly right. Now, I don't know how you get there with college, right? Um with, with you know the NFL, you have a salary cap, you have collective bargaining, um, you have contracts. They're employees, obviously. So you know when you sign Jamar Chase to a five-year deal, what's well, a five-year deal? I mean, it's structured, you know. Unless you cut him, right, right. But you understand what I'm saying. I mean, I you do. know when you like when you sign um, Patrick Mahomes to a new deal, a certain amount of it is guaranteed. You know, even if you cut him, Correct. even if you go, you suck, we're out, done. You still walk with X million. You don't have that at the college level. It's it's there is no structure. They're not employees. You have Title IX issues that you have to deal with, and I think this is where Lane's right, where he says, if it's just the wild wild west, it's kind of hard to navigate it. Very difficult, and then the so. I'm not going to name the quarterback, but there's a quarterback that's being shopped right now. And so how things are getting set up is they're saying, okay, when you see the numbers come out, so let's say allegedly Arch is getting $10 million, right? So, Well, that's the number that's out there. I said allegedly. You know, I'm just trying to be alleged. So five of that is usually half of that number. is well, Of all these numbers you're seeing, half of it is usually guaranteed. Okay? The other is based on – 
how how much you participate and how much out of the collective and how much of uh, you're getting for you know Coca Cola whatever you're doing for them and your max it's almost like your max performance bonuses and all that stuff mm-hmm. is what the big number is, but here's the problem, is all right so let's say that the kid is getting ten million dollars, they're setting up these deals to where okay hey we're not giving you you're getting so much up front okay so we've agreed to give you a million dollars up front signing bonus signing bonus. <laughs> Year one, you're going to get X amount. Year two, you're going to get X amount. Year three, you're going to get X amount. Year four, you're going to get X amount, yada, yada, yada. Let's say the kid is a bust. They're setting these things up so the kid doesn't go in the portal. That's what they're setting us up for. Right. All right? So let's say the kid is a bust. As a coach, you want this guy out the door because you don't want to have to pay a dude $2 million this next year because he's sitting on the bench. Right. Very similar to professional sports. So what happened to Amari Cooper in Dallas going to – because he was owed twenty something million dollar roster bonus going to wherever's Cleveland. All right, so when the kids, they're not going to leave. If they suck, they're not leaving because they don't have any value anywhere else. They're going to sit right on your roster. They're going to collect two million bucks, whether you cut them or not. So now what you're going to start seeing happening, and I know this because it's already been discussed. What you're going to see happening is the collective is going to come and say, "Hey, look, I know we owe you four million dollars." I'll cut you a check right now for a million and a half. They're going to negotiate buyouts. And you go get in the portal. And you go get the portal. So now, but do you think the booster's going to be happy? No. So now you're paying no. a million. Just and- telling you. Since we're Chase, <laughs> and I think Chase is right. Chase has sat in, your, in that seat right there. And day after day, when we've, convers- when we've talked about this, he says, this is not sustainable. No. It's not repeatable. We're doing it right now because it's just wild and crazy. But once the... Once the land settles and everybody figures out, okay, this this works, this doesn't work, it's going to settle down because this is not sustainable. And I think he's right. Like if you let's pick on Jimbo here, you 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 go say, hey, I need I need we need X to get player Y. Okay, all right, done. And then you get player Y, and player Y takes you from nine and three to nine and three. Okay, he doesn't. He just doesn't move the needle. And now the next time you go back to the same guy and you go, hey, listen, I need X plus 10 for player W. Nah, I'm good. I've done this before. I got nothing out of it. It's the it's professional sports, right? It's it's when – Dealing with owners. Well, it's when Theo Epstein, when he went back to um, Ricketts, Hey, kind of need to make a move. Yeah, you wanted to make a move on Jason Hayward, and that hasn't worked out. You know, you 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 wanted to make a move on, like when he, you know he went to he got started out. Well, let's get John Lester, got him. Right. Let's get Ben Zobrist, got him. Win a title. Right, we don't need Jason. We need Jason Hayward. Okay. Now he he, he and, and Hayward's a great dude, but it just hadn't worked out. Just stayed in Atlanta. Yeah, he probably just. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He probably just. He just didn't work out. <laughs> Yeah, and so you know you get you, you get that. So that's going to happen at the college level too. It's I mean when Lane says it's professional sports, he's right. And so every, and you're right. I didn't even thought about it like that. He and Saban both have had an NFL cup of coffee, and everything that happens at the NFL level is going to happen here, except for the fact that you don't have the structure to manage it. You don't have the NFL government. has structure to manage the fallout. Correct. There's no go like. The NCAA's left left the toothpaste out of the tube or whatever people call it, right? Let the cow out of the box, however you want to call it. There is no governing body. They're not regulating this. 
it's not going to no. be regulated. No. This is going to have to come. And we actually. And in t- fairness to them, they don't have the manpower to do it. No. They right. have no idea. Right. I mean, this is like me trying to go do heart surgery. Good luck to you, boss. Mm-hmm. Okay. The government is going to have to step in and literally, and they're trying to pass bills and all that stuff, but there's more on NCAA investigations. This is a big deal. This is this is a big deal that has to be dealt with, or you're literally ruining a game. And I'm talking about they, they, there's no fixing it until you have somebody like a governing body. I was talking with a school today, okay, that we got hooked up today. So we were talking about, and part of that meeting was about NIL. Um, and the guy's like, yeah. He goes, we, it's, we're going to do performance-based NILs. And I said, well, you're not going to get anybody. He's like, what do you mean we're not going to get anybody? I mean, they'll, they'll do that. And I was like, well, you may do performance-based, but if it's between you and Oklahoma – and Oklahoma's not going to do performance-based, where do you think the kid's going to go? It's not recruiting anymore. Like, you may recruit, which is, all oh, fans love me for this, Johnny Three Stars, right? <laughs> you can go recruit those guys and go do what, you know, you can be a great recruiter and go recruit your three stars. But the premier athletes now, they don't even care about your school. Yeah. They don't care about your tradition and then what jimbo was talking about tradition was always, yeah you know, tradition yeah. yeah who gives a shit can i cuss on this by the way yes okay um uh, they don't care they're gonna go pick where show me the money and my favorite is the arch thing where people go oh he doesn't care about the money get out how many rich people you know don't care about money uh none yeah I'm- in fact every rich person that i know uh wants to get richer I can tell you that in my life, in my career, and you're experiencing this running a business, the more money you make, the more money you want to make. Yeah, because you got to pay taxes. Yeah, and, and <laughs> because and because your ego's on it. You're, you're, it just is. Come on, it's, yeah. it's normal. It's good. I don't, I mean, I, I hold nothing against anybody who wants to get richer. Okay. I mean, it makes me, in my opinion, it means your heart's beating. I mean, cool. Yep. Good for you. So, <laughs> I, I don't I, I never fault the kid that goes, Hey, I want the highest offer. No. I don't I mean uh, I talked should. to I talked to a college coach the other day who uh told me they, they were they had a kid, had him down at the end. It was they were gonna get him and then he got an offer elsewhere and like the good old days. Yeah, and he yeah, and he <laughs> goes, How much? And he kinda heard the number and he goes, I don't blame you. Yeah, I mean, I mean he was pissed, say? but he's like if you were my kid, I'd tell you to take it. Like it was, it used to always like, never really happened at Old Man. Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. I'm not gonna say that. Copy. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, something in your throat there. I I did. All right, so <laughs> I tell you, my dad used to be the dean of education at Louisiana Monroe. Really? How about yeah, that? He was. He was uh, a dean. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> you're gonna get me. <laughs> you know, my I have to be like NCAA certified for my business. Right? Yes, okay. I do. Um, no, but see. The problem is, like, when you were at, like, nothing pissed you off more when you were at Arkansas State or South Alabama that you would just recruit your ass off on a kid for, like, two years. I'm talking about you knew everything. I'm talking about put your life and soul, spent weeks of your year away from your family recruiting a kid, and then 25 minutes (laughs) before 7 o'clock on Wednesday, the first Wednesday in February – this happened to me one year at Arkansas State. I lost two kids to Florida State and two kids to Auburn between 6 a.m. and 7 a.m. Yeah. on Wednesday morning after I had 
recruited my ass off for two years, and they literally picked up the phone and go, hey, you want to come to Florida State? Hey, you want to come to Auburn? There was no money involved because it was just a better opportunity. Sure. Well, this is just this accelerated. Okay, I mean, hey, I want to play in the SEC. That's about the about as detailed as you're going to get with these kids. You're right, sure. All right, I would like to play for a throwing offense. I would like to run the football in a running offense, okay? I'll go anywhere from A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, who's got the most money. Yeah. And that's – it's nothing about your culture anymore, your uniforms or your locker room or your weight room. Is it cool? How awesome is your strength coach? Nobody's going to give a shit. How much are you paying me? Well, what's interesting about that is that that's where the NFL – the college game is different still, although I, I'm waiting for them to kind of figure it out. Instead of pouring all of your money into into toys and fireworks and firecrackers, you know what I mean, some stuff. Right. Oh, look at our fancy water slide. I know exactly and, where you're going with this, and you're right. Screw that. Let's put it in NIL. It would blow your. It would blow the fans' mind. Now you you see like uh, cowboys are different, right? But. Go check out the New Orleans Saints practice facility and locker room. I've been in it. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. Allen High School in Texas is better, is nicer yeah. than that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But nub- that's my point. I mean, you don't need a water slide that goes into a chocolate fountain or something that spells out Clemson when you land. I mean, you just need money. I can't tell you how many former players that I'd be like, "What's the first thing? What was the first thing that you were like, wow, about the NFL?" I bet you seventy percent of them will say, "I was really surprised at how bad the weight room was." Yeah. Know? Or the locker room. I was like, this is the NFL. They don't realize that a lot of those facilities are terrible because they spend it on the players. Yeah. So that's the next step, right? Yeah. You revisit this? Or, I mean, how does this, how does it all shake out? I know you don't know, but when well, you look into your crystal ball, what do you see? Well, it depends on if the schools can start funding the collectives and how creative they are with it. I think that happens. I don't care, this, but don't you? I mean, I think this I, is the will, this is the big step towards the Power Five breaking away, right? And doing their own thing, and and maybe even putting the players under contract, maybe maybe letting the players unionize. I mean, isn't that where this is going? Where you get away from the Title IX legislation and you can kind of do your own thing? It seems like that's where this is headed. Yeah, so you can technically do it now if you're smart and understand what you're doing from a in your creative. I, I gave advice about NIL advice to a uh, a Big Ten school. Okay. okay? Yeah. Um, the Big Ten school, they're getting the Big Ten check, just like the SEC gets the check. That they don't get as big, but they get a check. And so, you can be creative on how you move the money around inside the university to add to your collective, and the school technically could pay for the collective, right? So let's say. You let's just use, they're not getting this, but let's say you were getting for even numbers fifty million dollar check, which is what the SEC gets. You're getting a fifty million dollar check from the SEC network every spring, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of spending that fifty million dollar check, okay, those big boosters instead of donating to the school, they donate to the you just the president picks up the phone, he calls the big booster. Hey, I, w- I don't want you to donate to the school. I'd like for you to donate your money to the collective this year. Now, we're going to take the money, that $50 million, and we're going to move that and replace the money. We're just going to give it right through the university to go build your library or upgrade your classrooms or whatever it is, and you're moving money from the athletic department that you're making in the football and athletic department. You're moving that on campus and then moving the money that was going from outside to the campus into the collectives, and that's how you can build it up a little bit, and that's kind of a creative way for the schools to 
basically play a little shell game like having uh you know bank accounts in switzerland you can move it around and, and get the school to pay for the collectives if you were in your former office now <laughs> given the market would you would you do as much transfer portal as, as kiffin is doing I, I used to be really critical of it at first i thought oh he's making a mistake at first i even thought you know i wonder if lane's being lazy here and then i thought nah, maybe he's onto something and now tyler and you can tell me i'm wrong yeah and we'll see i, I because I, I, I keep telling people I'm watching an experiment in real time. You are, but I kind of think he's onto something, and maybe he stumbled into it. Maybe it was maybe he was mad genius. I don't know, and it doesn't really matter. But it seems to be that's the way to add those kinds of. Because you're right, going out and doing the the hey, I think this this kid can play. It might take us two years. You don't have two years anymore. <laughs> no, you and don't. so you, you, you would I, – I think you would recruit a different kind of way. You would recruit a different guy. I don't know whether you guys would have been as heavy into the portal as, as they are, but I do think you would have steered into that somewhat because you would have seen that that was a path to success. I think every situation is completely different, okay? I think every school's in a different situation. Now, let's say if I was still at Ole Miss, like when I got here the first time – or excuse me, when I came back, mm-hmm. okay – would I have been in the portal? Yes, because I could have fixed a lot of problems. Quickly. Right. Like right. we had a linebacker problem when I got there. Yeah. Okay. I think they still got some because a lot of them they left. Kind, come. Yeah, they still kind of do. Yeah. Um, but you know, you're you're able to go fix because you can't fix problems in the old. Oh, when I got there, you couldn't fix it transfer wise because they had to sit out a year. And then Juke, everybody's like, well, go get a Juco guy. Juco guys. They basically have to sit out a year, too. They just yeah, sit out playing. They sit out playing because it takes them a year. And you look, and I think we talked about this last time when I was here, uh, like Dontario Drummond. All right? If last year, was, if it wasn't for COVID, he would have never had that great year because it takes those guys basically a year to get their feet wet. So it's mm-hmm. very hard to do that. Uh, but I could have definitely fixed some holes a lot faster. Uh, and we could have cut bait with some guys that we needed to cut bait with and get the roster right. But it's a math problem any way you look at it, right? So depending on what the math problem is, if they continue to keep it at 25 and 85 the way it is right now, there is a number that you have to maintain because the taxes are going to be due at some point in time when it comes to having 85 guys on scholarship. You're yep. going to look up one day and you're going to have 61 players on scholarship. Now, if they say, which there's talk, they say, screw the 25, you just go 85 on your roster, hell yeah. I'm, I may not ever recruit a high school kid again. I mean, but then you look at it the other way is like, and nobody's been able to answer this question yet, is if you keep taking portal guys, I'm talking about it when I say if you keep, I'm talking about the whole country, you keep the portal as active as it is right now. It gets empty at some point because there's some, no high there's school no, kids to there's come nothing, in. There's no fresh blood, right? So... <coughs> If everything was hunky-dory, so like let's say you were in an Alabama situation where your roster's flush and everything like that, and let's say like the number was at 32, that was the number last year that you could take, I would have taken 22 last year, which I was my advice to the guys that use this, is I would take 20, and you're in a good situation, no number issues, you take 22 guys, high school kids, one for each position, okay, which is kind of the base theory there, and then 10 Band-Aids. You go take 10 guys out of the portal that fix your needs. But here's the other thing you're seeing. And I've seen this. There are schools out there that the coach knows that, hey, I got one year left. We got to win right now. I may not even think about signing a high school kid because all I'm going to be doing now is recruiting them for somebody else. Yeah, so you load up on the portal. You got to load up on the portal. But long-term wise, if 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 you're portal heavy, and 
How many portal guys at Lane signed? I don't even know. I know that's terrible. Man. I apologize. No, no, it's like thirteen or fourteen, and he's got more coming in, and and so much. Some of that. Or how many was, high school guys? That'd be very easier for me. How many high school guys he signed? I'd have to go back and look. It's a small number. Like, as long as you. But it, they 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 had a philosophy. Whether it's right or wrong, I always give credit. That's one thing I give you guys credit for. You had a plan, and you stuck to the plan because you said, "Hey, if if, if we're going to go down, we're going to go down our way," right? right? And and their plan has been we're not going to reach, we're not going to reach. Don't have to. We're not going to reach. Correct. And if we're going to go after the elite kid, and if we can't get them, we're going to go to the portal. And at some point, we're going to try to. Now they have, to their credit, they have tried to steer into younger guys in the portal where there are some. Frankly, there's some salary control. <laughs> Allegedly, you, you know, where you have some years con- year year control. Right. You know, you sign a kid and. He can't transfer again, and but you've got him two years before he can go pro or eligibility expires or whatnot. So they they are trying to do more of that. They're not signing a lot of one and dones, unless it is a band aid like Troy Brown. Need a linebacker, Troy Brown. By the way, that shows up at uh, MPWD. He will hit you. By the way, he will. I watched this film. The uh, the Troy Brown show presented by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating is up at MPW. If he listens to this, I really like the way he. That's that's how you hit people. He's a physical dude. So, but he's a band aid. He's got one year. Yep. And so, you know, that's. But they're they're not trying to get loads of those guys. They prefer to get the Michael Triggs and the Jackson Darts, and you give control on those guys. But they, they, that's been their plan. We're not going to reach. Would they? I mean, look, Ole Miss would love to sign twenty elite high school players. They'd oh, love yeah. to. But if you can't get them, you the old days you'd say, okay, well, let's go to Plan B. And now Plan B's in the portal, and you just hope it works out. And so far for Ole Miss, I think it kind of has. The only, the only thing, the only, obviously the roster numbers and all that stuff, and scholarship numbers and all that mess that will come into play eventually. If, if, and I think, and Lane, I think Lane's gambling a little bit too. If the twenty five, eighty five, they start fudging that a little bit. Yeah. And he's been right so far, so why not? Do it. I mean, he's he's rolling seven and eleven every time. He let's, is. Let's go. Yeah, no, he's having success at the table. You have to hit when you're taking the. That's the one thing about the portal that I, I'm sure people talk about it, but the misses in a portal guy mm-hmm. is almost double what it would be missing on a high school player. Because uh, nobody, I want to see this too. What happens when you take a portal guy, a young portal guy? Okay, mm-hmm. so let's say Robbie Ashford. Okay, Robbie who we had committed here and, you know, all the changes happened. He went to Oregon. Now he's at Auburn, right? Right. So he went to Oregon. He's transferred to Auburn. And they got Calzada. And they got the TJ Finley kid. What happens with – Three portal quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah, get you some of that. <laughs> uh, I mean, somebody's – you can't – there's no way you can keep all those kids happy. What happens when – oh, Calzada's young too. I know. What happens when they cut one of those guys that can't transfer? Nobody's been able to answer that question. No, and, and I do wonder. Oh, it's a good point. My first response was, well, he could probably get a waiver. But <laughs> now you're now you opened up another. My, that's what I'm trying to say is the solution. That's what thank you. you, you I teed yeah. one up and you just knocked it out of the park. Yeah. The problem is, is that and this is what I think and this is why when you ask me questions about that. Because the waiver bill, like, hey, you want a waiver? Here's a waiver. Have at it. When I think about transfer portal, I think about NIL. That's what goes through my mind. Is like, sure, there's a solution, but guys, we're just going to continue to open this big box, and we're never going to be able to close it. And that's where I'm like, 
that's why I, Nick is frustrated. That's why Lane is frustrated because they've been in the pro football. They know what the solutions are, but right. they also know that there's zero chance in hell that we can bring that back together because when the NFL did it, when did they do it? They did it at the beginning of the league. Yeah. So they were proactive instead of being reactive. And all this started by, oh, man, I'm tired of chasing down this guy to see if he got paid by the booster. Let's just let them get, get their money and go. Johnny Manziel complaining. And this was like, talking about the pot calling the kettle black, this is the best thing ever. So I was, A.J. McCarron made me aware of this. I was very unaware until he made, he got pissed off. He was like, you know, the NCAA, he may or might not be able to come over to my house and eat dinner or whatever, you know, because I took care of him because I, I coached him in high school. But he's like, I can't get money. I'm Wait, did you let A.J. McCarron sleep on your couch? Uh, did, did. Yeah, actually I did. <laughs> well, I bet he had a bed. Yeah. Um, but that was when I was – he was uh, played for me in high school, uh, not in college. He wasn't going to sleep in my bed in college. He was he was good. Starting quarterback Alabama. He, yeah. he, he didn't need my house. He was fine. He was yeah. fine. Um, but all kidding aside is he was very frustrated. He's like, I'm over here trying to get 20 bucks to put gas in my car to go home and see my family. But you could go on the NCAA website and buy his jersey. Yeah. And guess where that money went? To the NCAA. Yeah. And so that's where, like him and Johnny Manziel and those guys, they started. That's where all this started is from jersey sales because the NCAA on their website were selling kids image and likeness. Yeah, sure. That's how the whole term came up. Right. All right. And so. Yeah, Manziel got in trouble for signing autographs. He was signing his name to his stuff. So when this whole problem started seven, eight, nine years ago that they started developing this idea, it was only meant for jersey sales and <laughs> yeah. for, you know, those kind of things. I know. It, it, and look they, how fast uh, it got to this. Because that's what we do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. And look, and I that was my <laughs> point when I and I feel like I was taught you know how you what's the saying in Tombstone? I feel like I'm playing cards with my sister's kids. Yeah. I was like, guys, you know, that's great. I said, but do you know what we do? Like you give us a, our job is you give us a rule and I'm going to find every way to basically break the rule without breaking the rule. Yeah. I'm going to find every, you're going to find the edges and all the great stuff. Yeah. yeah, sure. Of course. And so I was like, bad idea. Like, and that's what I always said is like all the NCAA had to do from the jump. All they had to do was say, Hey, NCAA, we're an amateur organization. If you want to make money on your name, image, and likeness, we have that. That's called the National Football League. And you can go pro as a high school kid. You can go pro as a – like the basketball model used to be. I guess yeah. they still are now. They changed back. But are they still one and done? Are they still one year now? Yeah, you have to be a certain age yeah, or whatever. whatever. But it's but essentially one year. If they would have done that, everything would have been fine because the 18-year-old that goes to the NFL won't last long and the kids would stay. But – and I, but I do agree that kids should get paid, but there needed to be a model and do it the right way the front time, the first time. And they just, they basically made it so general, you know. They made it, it's a suggestion, it's not a rule, kind of like tampering. <laughs> Which I had another great conversation about that today too. That was awesome. About tampering? Oh yeah. Well, you have the tampering portal that leads to the transfer portal. Oh, coach, you have no idea. Well, if you're not tampering, you're not doing your job right now. It's, it's, it's bad. It's bad. Yeah, yeah. I have to tell you out there. I can't even. It's 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 that bad. I and you're going to see a lot of you can see a lot of younger coaches leave the business at an earlier age. I think. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I just think the, for some the, people, it's just going to be. I, I don't. 
not that they're better. Like you already see this now, guys that have an opportunity to go to the NFL jump gone. Yeah, and will never come back. Right. It's just the. It has affected everything. You can't, you can't coach kids hard anymore. You have to adapt the way you coach, and that's every sport. I think, you know, you can't. Look, they're 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, sometimes 22-year-old kids, okay? It's not the older guys you ever have to worry about as much, but especially in football, a majority of the kids, not all of them, but definitely a majority of the kids that come into college football programs as scholarship athletes do not have a father figure in their life. Facts. Look it up. At one time it was 72%. I don't know what it is now. When you're trying to correct actions, incorrect actions of an 18-year-old kid, boy, in college with all this power and, yeah. and clout, sure, you can't go, now, can you come over here and sit down here for a second? I would love to talk to you about your issues. It gets a little crazy. Okay, It gets a little boisterous. All right, your son's a freshman now, right? Because mine's a, mine's a freshman, or is he a sophomore now? He's a, he's a high school freshman. You know, so mine's a high school freshman. So we're dealing with the same thing. Okay, I'm sure your conversations of how you've corrected him have changed from the time that he was six and seven to the now the time that he's 15 years old. Of course. And if you've got boys at home, you understand this. If you if he had the transfer portal, <laughs> I mean, how many times would he would he does he want to walk times, out walk many, away? How many times would he have wanted to walk away? I mean, you would think about I mean, how, not many, but probably a couple of times. It just takes once. Yeah, and it just takes one bad day. Just takes one bad it's, day. That's why I laugh at people because I joke about it because I, I don't like depth charts unless the school gives me the depth chart. Right. You know this. You and I have talked about this before. You know we mess with those things, right? On purpose. Oh, yeah. Okay. But I like to be able to go when someone goes, well, that's not what really happened. I'm like, hey, man, the school gave it to me. They, take it up with the coaches. I just tell here's here's the depth chart issued by Ole Miss. Takes my neck off of it. Yep. And I know that people are like, I want a depth chart. Here's what really happens if I go try to do a depth chart, okay? I might actually get some of it right. And I might expose something that I saw. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. now I've created a problem. Yeah. And and I'm getting a call from somebody going, hey, um, you guys. I think I've done that before. It's like, hey, can you take that guy off that depth yeah, chart? I think I've that, done that before. And it's because, well, and now it's April. And I say, you know, that. Hey, I, I kind of noticed this dude was running third team a lot. And so I make a depth chart and say, hey, he was third. Well, he sees that, or better yet, his parents or, or, or an uncle or a runner or a former high school coach or whatever sees it and goes, so you're running third team. You know, I got a call the other day from School X. They got a spot for you. They still like you. Remember they recruited you? You wouldn't be third team there. Night, night. And it's that quick. And now the kid can bolt. And so when you're coaching in the spring and stuff, coaches don't really want to put out a spring depth chart. They don't, unless it's an obvious thing, like at Alabama, Bryce Young's the quarterback. He's pretty good. But, you know, if you've got, you want to use the word or as much as possible. You don't, you don't want to, <laughs> and you or. don't want to clearly delineate things because they're young and they have options and they can leave in a, at a moment's notice. And all they have to do is just run over to, um, compliance. Like, I want to get in the portal. I need to file my paperwork. And there's really nothing they can do to stop them. Nothing. And so you, they go up. They're in the portal, and and they're before you know it, they're on an official visit to School X, and they wine and dine them and do the little Photoshop. 
thing, photo shoot, and um, spin them around on the table and and in, in their fancy uniform. And next thing you know, they 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 transfer and they're gone. So in my new gig, I was doing some. Well, I'm definitely not saying who this guy was, but you know, spring recruiting is starting, and spring recruiting hasn't happened in the last three years. Right. So. You know, normally when you go spring recruiting, okay, hey, Neil, you're going to, you know, Water Valley, Oxford, Lafayette. You're going, you know, to South Haven, whatever. Here, Here's your day. This is where you're going. Here are the sheets for those schools with all the players listed at the school, coaches' information, all that stuff. And we give you the sheets, and then you go about your merry day. Okay? Use those as organization. Uh, we have schools that are going – they're giving you the same sheets. But on those sheets are not just the players at that high school. There's significant players in college football that played at that high school for that coach. So now when they're going in spring recruiting and stopping by to check on old Neil McCready over here at Oxford High School, hey, J.J. Pegues played for you, right? Yeah. How's he doing? How's he like? Oh, Auburn? yeah, yeah. How's he, how's he like in Auburn? Uh-huh. Hey, we got a spot for him if he ever changes his mind. Yeah. Like that's – If you happen to talk to him or his mom or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. Say, tell him I said hello. And, yeah. Hey, you got my cell, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, just yeah. tell him I said hello. And, that's, that's my point. Yeah. Yeah. Happening. <laughs> a lot. All right, I'm going to get your thoughts on some of these guys, and then we're going to talk some NFL draft, and I'm going to get you out of here. I've kept you already about 30 minutes longer well, than all I, got, I, I just got to – it keeps me from having to talk on the phone when I get back to the office. We're brought to you by Grenada Nissan. Grenada Nissan, uh, just off Interstate 55 in Grenada, Mississippi. They've got a complete selection of new and previously owned Nissan vehicles. Great lease deals as well. It's GrenadaNissanUSA.com. Brought to you by Whitney McNutt, Tommy Morgan Incorporated Realtors, serving you for all of your real estate needs in Oxford and Tupelo. She sells condos, land, commercial, and residential family homes, 662-567-2573-662-842-3844. Brought to you by Service Specialist Staffing and Recruiting Agency. They've been connecting job opportunities to candidates since 1967. If you're on the job hunt, whether you're looking for an entry-level position or you're a seasoned professional, they've got opportunities across the board. What they try to do is get to know you, your strengths, see what you're looking for in your next career move to find help you find the right fit. Uh, it's free for the candidate. All conversations are kept confidential, so you have nothing to lose by giving them a call. It's your company looking to find um, – Quality, hard-to-find talent, service specialists can help you, too. Keep in mind that payment of service is solely contingent on if you decide to hire a candidate that they send. You have nothing to lose, so give Will, Sydney, or Kelsey a call at 662-832-5138. Or check out their new and improved website at servicespecialistltd.com. I told you about The Rogue. Uh, the Rogue sponsors the Peyton Chatney Show. That is up uh are being processed literally as we speak. It's up in podcast form on MPW Digital. It'll be on this uh, YouTube channel here pretty quick as well. Ole Miss, Mississippi State. We talked about some of the struggles Peyton's having, the team's having, his meeting with um, Mike Bianco the other day, um, the team's meeting, I should say, just expectations, social media, all that stuff. Really good visit with Peyton. So that's um, up, brought to you by The Rogue, 4450 I-55 North in Jackson or therogue.com. They've got all the best items from Peter Millar, Martin Dingman, Jack Victor, Halsey, True Grit, so many others. Don't just accept what you see, but imagine something new. Step forward, chase after a better version of yourself. Every day, Corinth Dental is helping people reinvent themselves one smile at a time. Dr. Bubba McQueen, Dr. Jenny Beth Hendrick are devoted to restoring and enhancing the natural beauty of your smile using conservative state-of-the-art procedures, including Invisalign. 
These clear aligners are the virtually invisible way to improve your smile. So call Corinth Dental today for a no-cost digital scan of your teeth. Let them show you the way to a straighter, healthier smile. 12 months, no interest, no down payment. Financing available at CorinthDental.com. And we're brought to you by Bell & Grove, based out of Chattanooga. Bell & Grove is a logistics provider, more than 35 years of transportation industry experience. They specialize in domestic freight movement throughout the continental U.S. that can navigate through supply chain issues while also leaning on their partner carriers to get the most competitive rate possible for their customers. In addition, they can help customers design a custom solution for their shipping needs. Whether your business is in need of moving a truckload, a partial shipment, or a flatbed, Bell & Grove can accommodate you. They've got air and ground expedited services for customers who need to move product quickly. For more information, get in touch with Daryl Oliver at 865-672-6557. And last but not least, don't forget the camp Season is getting ready to get started at Southern Traditions Farm. they got camps starting Monday through Friday, starting with May the 30th, 8.30 until 2 each day out at the 68-acre, 32-stall, upscale equestrian training and boarding facility in Canton, Mississippi. Two sand rings, a grass ring, miles of wooded trails, a lot going on at Southern Traditions. So you can uh, let your young person in your life who's interested in equestrian uh, do some of that this summer. Get in touch with uh, Susan Walt or uh, Bowers Cone at BowersCone1 at gmail.com, or you can message them on Facebook or Instagram at Southern Traditions Farm. All right, you've seen some of these uh, these young quarterbacks. I've talked to you about Arch before on this show. I think we even talked about Nico to some degree on this show. Ole Miss um, broke today. I'll give credit where it's due. Um the national guys at 247 broke broke it that uh, Jaden Rashad is taking an official visit to Ole Miss this weekend. He was at Arkansas last weekend. I think he's going to Oregon next weekend. Getting close to a decision. These high school quarterbacks make decisions early. You've seen Rashada. Uh, Marcel Reed, the quarterback from Montgomery Bell and Nashville, is coming in on what is now an unofficial visit. Give me your thoughts on those two guys. I think – for me, and I know you and I have talked about this before. I don't know if I've talked about it on here before, but quarterbacks, and I, and I want the fans to know this, you can, when you watch film on a quarterback, and we talk about bust and the five-star guys and things like that, yeah, it's not because of talent why they bust. And I think we were talking about that earlier. It's about the other shit that goes with it, okay? Mm-hmm. Do you make the other guys around you better? Are you competitive? And that's why, I like, you know, I'll say on my show, I'm so partial to Matt Corral you know, in the draft, I'm sure we'll get the draft in a minute, yep. but, like, I'm going to war with that guy. I want a guy that, that's not scared to freaking fight somebody. I want a guy that's got a little shit in his neck. I mean, look who's been successful here. We got, I mean, obviously all these Ole Miss fans. Chad Kelly any good? As a college player, he was great. Matt Corral any good? Yeah. Bo Wallace, I mean, think about his talent level versus what he did. Yeah, and I would have loved to have seen what Bo would have done had he not hurt his shoulder. Yeah, he played two started. years. Yeah, played two years. People have no idea what he went through. By the way, for, yeah, to, to, I, I you do, do, but a lot of people don't. Yeah, I mean, the mentality—they're they're all similar. If you get what I'm saying. Oh yeah, yeah. Bo's a dog. Now go back and look at the ones that have been unsuccessful. Yeah, and don't tell and tell me you don't see a demeanor difference. That's night and day. Okay, so for me, I think you can take the top fifty talented guys in the country, and you can throw them up on a board. And the guys who end up working out and being that guy are the guys that have the other stuff. That's the one that elevates them. But Rashada, to me, is in the same breath talent-wise as Nico and Arch. 
I think he's the real deal. Um, I actually talked with his coach about him before this even came up. This has probably been two or three months ago, maybe before that. I think it's even before Christmas uh, when we were doing all of his stuff inside of our system. Uh, for other schools, the kid has got a uh, really quick release. He's very accurate. He's very calm in the pocket. That's what I like. His feet are very calm in the yeah. pocket. And I don't watch, and so the fans know this too, I don't watch highlight tapes. We do what we call evaluation tapes. Which is so like if you watch a kid's highlight tape, they're all they're all accurate because everybody they're not putting incompletions on yeah, the highlight tape. They're all awesome. Everything's great. Yeah. Uh, you, so you see decision making, pocket awareness, and see how calm they are in the pocket. For me, like he's going to ask the same amount of money because he probably doesn't see a whole lot of difference between himself and you know as a competitor from Nico and Arch. Because if you told me five years from now, if you said, "Hey, Rashada was better than those other two. I would not be surprised because he has that kind of talent level. Right. It's the other stuff that's going to separate those guys. Does that make sense? Sure. I you would, were saying, I mean, Arch is such a safe bet because of his pedigree. He grew up in it. Um, I would put my money on Arch because of, course. of everything else. Of course. I mean, it's a modern miracle that he's turned out to even where he's at right now. Yeah, it just says, it says something about what he's got. He's got an it factor that all this stuff doesn't. It didn't spoil him. There's been a lot of pro athletes and quarterbacks and families. They have kids that play football. There's not many of them. That's why you don't hear many of those guys make it. Sure. Um, but I, that's the safe bet with me. Uh, Nico, this, you know, I always say that. Lama, I can't remember. I'm a Leva. I'm a Leva? Mm-hmm. Okay. Unbelievable upside. Yeah. His ceiling is probably higher than anybody's. Yeah. But he's also got the lowest floor. Yeah, he's um, he's kind of Chet Holmgren-y. I can see that. Um, his body type. Well, a little bit, he's right? So, so it's interesting. Not to get down the NBA thing, you can tell that Carson and I have been talking. You know how many minutes of the NBA I've watched this year? I, I don't know, but you know how many minutes of NBA draft I've listened <laughs> to and talked because of my son? Um, <laughs> I watch college. I, can't I mean – I mean, we talk about Jabari Smith and Chet Holm. We we talk about those guys to the point where now, I feel like I'm like I feel like I'm on a first name basis. Your boys, yeah. Like if Jabari Smith walked in here right now, I'd be like, "Hey, Jabari, what's going on, man? How you doing?" I mean, it wouldn't even be an introduction. You'd be like, "Yeah, what's hey, hey, how, how's your day? I mean, how's your mama doing? Yeah, how's everybody doing? What's Chase say? Uh, how's your mama doing? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I know I know all about Jabari's family and stuff. I've heard all about it. And and so anyway, there's like with Holmgren, right? The NBA people. For those that don't know, he's the the uh, seven foot freshman from Gonzaga. Freshman right? from Gonzaga, who um, so lean, so skinny, but like if you watch him play, he's a dog. Like he likes physicality. He likes he sets screens. That dude's one of the best screen setters that you'll ever see. The question is, is he going to grow into that body? No one knows. Kind of look at his parents, like I don't know, and you look at his shoulders; they're not very broad, and so the odds of him being the big Joel Embiid looking guy on the court, not very good. Now he's a freak; he can score, he can dribble, he can handle. He he he's a rim protector. He can do so many things. But so you're asking, okay, so you win the lottery, right? Jabari, I think's a safer bet. Uh, Paolo Boncaro, probably a safer bet. Hell, Jared Ivey might be a safer bet. The guy with the highest ceiling is Holmgren. 
Holmgren's ceiling is off the charts, but his floor's low. Because if he doesn't grow into that body and you're having to play him at the four or the five in the NBA on a night-in, night-out basis, I mean, right. Joel Embiid's going to eat him alive. Right. And then, you know, Nikolai Jokic is going to eat him alive. And, and when he plays against, you know, agile fours, they're, they're just going to eat him up. They're just going to crush him. They're just going to swallow him. But if he does go from what he is now and puts 35 pounds of muscle on and gets just a little – because it's, it's not – you don't have to ask him to go be tough. Right. A lot of guys like him, you know, you, you say, hey, be physical, and mm, I'm good. Not him. He'll go be physical. He likes it. And so if he grows into that body, he's a superstar. Right. And so I believe is a lot like that, right? Because there's these people that look at his family and stuff and they go, this kid's going to be six foot six. He's going to be 240. He's got a cannon. He's got great feet, great legs. And everybody goes, this dude's going to be a superstar. But what if his body doesn't do that, right? I'm going to try to sneak on this app. He's already 6'5 plus, and he's 200 pounds plus. And the thing about him is when he throws the ball, you can watch his eval tape, and you're like, I don't know. I don't see it. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, holy shit. And, like, he does his, his good stuff is better than anybody's. But his bad stuff is worse than anybody's. Yeah, no, there's right? a lot to work on. So there's a floor. There's a big window there. And that's where that $8 million for him is so fascinating because there's – you're paying up, like, to use your example, you're paying up for Chet Holmgren is what you're doing. Yeah. And, but he, I mean, I see it. I mean, I, I, I'm not turning him down. You know, if I, if I got eight million, I'm taking him because you get, you, you get one of them, you're going to be in good shape. Uh, Arch, you know, when you watch Arch's highlights, which is what the fans see, you see all this stuff where I get even a bigger appreciation for Arch besides all the stuff that his, what his name is and the stuff that he's had to deal, deal with and how he's dealt with it is he gets the shit knocked out of him every time he drops back to pass. Every time. I mean, he has zero protection. Yeah. And I think we've talked about this before, but the thing that's impressive is like, you're like, oh, the ball is incomplete. But what you don't realize is that was a pretty damn good spot for that ball to be. Right. Receiver just, it was a receiver, was ran the wrong route. An SEC receiver would have been there. Would have walked in the end zone. Yeah. You know, he's putting it where it's supposed to be. And you can tell he's been taught that. He can change his arm angles. And I and what I like about him is it's probably going to end up helping him by being having the shit knocked out of him every play is he's learned how to throw off platform. And so the game, which when we talk about the draft, we'll get to a quarterback, but the game is not played in a seven-on-seven aspect. It's not played in a work private workout. There's 11 dudes trying to break your neck every snap, and they're really trying to hurt you physically, and that's their intention. And you got to learn how to get the ball off and do your job. And that's probably what's most impressive with me about him. He's a little bit more athletic than what he's supposed to be. we got something funny over there. Weldon uh, Rotenberg's in oh, the chat. Tough. He says, hey, Siski. <laughs> and then he says, don't hate on uh, 2A Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> hey, tell, I, I miss Weldon. Me and you got to get on the golf course because Stella got her groove back. I went 39 on the back the other night. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm, ready, I'm ready to get on the golf course with Weldon. So he's a good one. Um. I can't believe he's on there. And my whole mind's going to be messed up. But uh, Rashada, talking about going back to Rashada, Rashada was very calm in the pocket. Yeah. Um, and what you see on the highlight tapes, kind of what you see in the eval tape. He's got a high floor. 
high floor. Yeah. He's a safe bet. Uh, very good high school. Very, very, I mean, they got prospects everywhere. I think he's the kid that, I mean, I think if you told Lane that, hey, you can have one quarterback, I think he'd say Arch. And then I think if you said you can't have Arch, he'd say, I want Rashada. I actually think he likes Rashada more than he likes Nico. And, I, Ole, and Ole Miss like Nico. I, me personally, just you, in the day, now that you can't mess with this money's in there. Yeah. From And we were talking about this a little, a little bit ago. Yeah. If I know that if I get a bust and my ass is fired when I have to pay for a bust, mm-hmm. I no longer look at ceiling. I'm look looking at floors. At floor I know. Because. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, all the sense in the world, man. So I'm no longer a value. It changes when you were talking about how things have changed. Mm-hmm. That's how it's changed. You used to. You used or how to, I would have changed. Yeah, you used to project on potential. Can't do it anymore. Because you could go sign 20-something guys, and if two-thirds of them turned out, it was a great class. Cedric Johnson. Yeah. And Cedric's a great example, right? Because I think he's getting ready to have a star year. Yeah, and I got. I would it, have to admit, it, I fell it, into that one. I got lucky on that one. Yeah, but, I signed his brother. But yeah, but that was that's my point though. Is like I don't know that in today, like we're and I don't mean to backtrack the conversation, but I don't know that today, right? At an SEC program, you would sign Cedric Johnson out of high school. Cedric Johnson would probably be a group of five player right now. He'd be in the portal, probably be up to somewhere. But right, but but that's my point. The, and that's you're exactly right. And when you look at who's getting signed out of high school right now, the guys that we used to know as SEC players, mm-hmm. Snoop Connor's not in the SEC. Cedric Johnson's not in the SEC. Yeah. Nick Broker's probably not in the SEC. No. Or Big Ten. No. Um, we can go down the list. He would have started in the MAC. Ely would, Ely would have been, for yeah, sure. He yeah, was, he's, 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 he's he was unique, sure. Um, Mingo would have been fine. Uh, Drummond, no. Um, I mean, we can just go down the list. Is like, And you go back in the past, Mike Hilton's, no. Cody Coors, no. You know, you can just keep going down the list. Oh, that's a great point. They don't they don't come to Ole Miss. They never that's where Because you would have you would have never gone that far. You would have yeah, you would have taken his spot would have gone to a portal kid. Correct. Would have never gotten there. Yeah. Now would you go and get Larry McTunsel? Sure. Sure, of course. Laquan yeah. Treadwell, sure. Robert Kimdichie. Yeah, sure. Tony Connors. Yep. Yeah. All the same. Uh Cody Pruitt, no. Yeah. Trey Elston, no. Well, Cody Core's a great example. You guys, he was at the bottom of a class. He's a kid out of Auburn. Auburn didn't offer him. None of those guys. Yeah. And then, so you got to, you know, um, Isaac Gross probably no because he was undersized. I mean, you just don't stretch anymore. But anyway, that's that's the biggest difference is you're sitting there and you're you're now going floor. And so I'm taking, I mean, I know you got to take Arch, but golly, they're both, I, I would go, I would take Arch here for sure, um, but Rashada's not very far behind it because I, I, I'm very high on the kid. I think he's really good. Um, I think he's got the right stuff. I've talked to the kid. Um, what do you I, think about Reed? Uh, you had to ask me that one, didn't you? Um, yeah, and I, I, I don't. Think, and I don't want to. I don't want to blow up the yeah. kid because he's a kid. But but you know he's the one that's it's kind of interesting. I told you this, um, and maybe I'm reading some tea leaves, and maybe I'm wrong. Um. He was at Arkansas two weeks ago, maybe, or last week. I can't remember. And for a while, I thought he was kind of Arkansas's guy, like listening to people. And I don't think Arkansas thinks they can get him because I think Arkansas is going to commit Malachi Singleton, the quarterback out of Georgia, on Monday. And I think the top guy on Arkansas's board is Rashada, and I just don't think Arkansas thinks they can get him. 
So I think they're going to go ahead and get the guy they can get. Right. Um, and Singleton is a very KJ Jefferson-ish quarterback. He can really run. He's physical. He's got a good arm. There's a lot of similarities. KJ Jefferson wouldn't be at Arkansas. No, he would have been. I don't know where KJ. Southern would. Miss. Or yeah, Memphis. someplace like that, and then entered the portal as a yep. successful quarterback. Um. Anyway, so I, I there was a time before this Rashada thing broke today. I thought Reed was coming in and Ole Miss was going to push and get him. And now I'm kind of thinking, ah, they're going to wait. I mean, they're going to wait. They're going to they're going to stay on Rashada until until they can't get him or until they figure out how to get him. But I. I'm curious to see what happens with Reed now. And now I'm starting to wonder, as I'm just talking this out in my head, I'm starting to wonder if Reed is the guy whose stock is falling. He, listen, I'm trying to think the best way to put this. He's got some development to do. There's, He's not going anywhere and playing first year. Yeah. You know, he's definitely not coming here and playing first year. He's sitting, I mean, you got two pretty good quarters, really three. Um, I think he's a depth guy if he comes here. Now, look, Lane's as good with quarterbacks as they come. He is. I saw what he did with Blake Sims, and Blake Sims was was a forgotten soul, all right, because we were, I, was, I was there. And we went out and got Jake Coker um, from Florida State because we didn't think Blake could get it done. Lane comes in, Blake Sims has the year of his life. And Lane can do things with those kind of guys. He's very, very good at what he does developing quarterbacks. Uh, but he's going to have to be developed, um, decision-making, accuracy issues. And then athletically, I mean, I think he's got some improving to do um, and developing and things to do. He's just – he's got a long way to go, I think. I just – I think he's talented. I think he's a kid that definitely is – I mean, you got to get one. You can't just not take one. you gotta, you you got to take one every year. Yeah. Um, and I don't know who else they are recruiting, but – if he's the next guy up, he's the next guy up. But if you're asking me if I'm taking Rashad or Reed, they're in two different talent classes. Right, right, me. right. Um, but I think he's got some development to do. But look, I mean, <laughs> I'm just telling you, Lane's Lane's pulled. Uh, I mean, he can pull the rabbit out of a hat when he's developing quarterbacks. He's yeah. always done it. No, he's done really well with quarterbacks. No question. Wherever he's been, mm-hmm. and it's not like you know, it's not like oh, look what he did with Matt Corral. He did it with Blake. I mean, I saw him do it with Blake Sims. And I don't think the human, the public knows what he did with Blake Sims. He's probably they're like, oh, look what he did, Matt Corral. No, 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 no. No, that was <laughs> yeah. he was Matt was already talented. Matt just needed to know where to and where not to throw the football as far as making decisions. Blake Sims, what he did with it, that was like, in my opinion, I don't think he's ever developed a quarterback as well as he did with Blake Sims. I, I mean, it was. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story, story real quick. This is this is good. Lane Lane won't hear this, but he'll laugh. We're playing Florida. Uh, Lane's first year's coordinator. We're playing Florida, and Blake is, and so it's like the fourth game of the year, first SEC game, I think. And Nick is losing his mind on the headset. I'm talking about like get this out of the game. He's I mean that that it's going nuts. Got quiet for a minute. Lane goes, hey, coach, the second quarter, he's 24 for 28 for 275 yards and four touchdowns. Who do you want me to put in the game? I mean, he was ready to pull him out of the game because of all this stuff that he thought he was making the wrong decisions, and he was, but he was 
Lane had done a great job developing him, and you didn't even look up, and the guy's thrown for 275 yards with only four incompletions and four yeah. touchdowns. Yeah. He's had the same amount of touchdowns as incompletions in the first half, and Lane was just real quiet. And after Coach went on his rant, he's like, just read his stat line off the, you know, like the little banner, the banner that they yeah. have on the stadium. He just yeah. read it, he's looked up, read his stat line, and goes, Who do you want me to put in the game? You know, just like, All right, leave, man. He's fine. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was like he's. But what he did with Blake Sims is magic, and I will say Marcel Reed is more talented than Blake Sims. I'll tell you that. Yeah, as a sure, sure, sure. Uh, but and Marcel has a lot of intangibles. Really smart kid. Yeah, smart kid. Yeah, good school. You know, but I think he would have some developing to do. Okay. All right. Let's transition to this last few minutes I got with you. Um, the knock on Corral a little bit, Matt Corral, the former Ole Miss quarterback. In case there's two people out there that have no idea, and if you're out there watching for the first time, welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the knock on him, ironically, and the NFL does this. This is just what the NFL does. It's an NFL cycle. They can't help themselves. It's unbelievable. The season ends, and there's four months, and they every day get together and go, okay, let's create something. And Let's validate our jobs. Yeah, let's, let's, let's just meet. Let's meet. Let's meet. Let's meet. And – they do this thing with, with Corral now where they go, okay, well, you know, back in high school he had a thing. And when he got to Ole Miss, he lost his job because he he, he made bad decisions, changed plays, <laughs> was crazy. Oh, but the last two years, he, he had they had that two bad games in 2020 with lots of turnovers. But now what we see is he's this guy that he's one read, he's a system quarterback, Lane babysat him. This was Lane, who's a as you've said. I mean, even the people who despise Lane Kiffin will tell you that he's Rain Man on the field during a game offensively. Probably the best offensive play caller I've ever been around. So they're like, you know, he won't have Lane to bail him out. He won't have Lane on the sideline to do that whistle that he does and and send him a signal that that's impressive. By the way, yeah, that changes a play. Yeah, right. And so they're like, uh. And then other people, and it seems to be shifting this way. I sense that Corral is gaining some traction here in the last week. But the criticism that he's a one-read guy, one-read and run, that he can't read defenses, that he can't do these things, that the arm talent – someone said arm talent's not there. I'm like, I, if that guy doesn't have arm talent, then I don't really know what I'm watching. Whoever said that, just turn him off. Well, here's my thing, right, is that with different quarterbacks, and, and I think Willis is this way, and Malik might end up being a great quarterback. I don't know. But – my thing about him is they love that final throw that he makes. And, yeah, it's impressive as hell. I mean, that 80-something yard throw. Talking about the one where he's going to be on the stretcher going off to the sideline by the time the ball ends. Yeah, well, it just I watch a lot of NFL, and nobody, make, nobody runs that play in the NFL, right? You don't, that's not the play you run in the NFL against NFL defenses. Maybe you run a Hail Mary at the end of a half or at the end of a game. Sure. Do you, do you want a quarterback who can throw the ball 80 yards? Well, sure, why not, right? But is that the main thing you're looking for? I don't think so. I want someone who's accurate in the intermediate game. I want someone who can read. I want someone who can make that deep out, who can put a ball in a on window. On time and accurate. On time and accurate, can hit a window where the, where it's either incomplete or caught. Um, And I want maturity. My criticism of Matt would be simple is, hey – if I'm going to pay you $15 million a year, I'm paying you to play, not to take on that starting middle linebacker uh, with Cleveland. Yeah, I, I know there's a lot of people talking about that too. I, I mean, 
look, it, I've seen it happen with a, a bunch of dudes I've coached. When they start getting paid, they get it figured out. That part, that part, taking care of their body, that's one of the first things. And 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 Matt's, I mean, where I knew that Matt had turned the corner from a maturity standpoint, I mean, he became a vegetarian. You know, he he changed his diet. Yeah, that wasn't the Matt Corral that came here in 2018 or whatever year it was. He's really he was grown a kid up. then. He was yeah, a kid and and. Chasing but, girls and and partying and yeah, I yeah. would have been too. Sure, right. Um, but I, I'll I'll say this is I've gotten a couple calls, obviously, um, get leading up to the draft, and most of them were, "Hey, you were right," because I remember when everybody was coming in here looking at Jordan, and I was like, "Hey, when you're over there, look at that freshman over there. He's going to be a dude." From the day he stepped on campus, one of the most armed, talented human beings I've ever laid eyes on. Yeah, sure. And I've seen a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, and he got it figured out, and I'm biased. I know that. And I have to say that because I won't – I mean, I am biased. I love the kid. I would go to war with him. Uh, he did get me hit in a in a, uh egg bowl game one time when I was trying – when he started a fight, and they threw out the wrong number two uh, his <laughs> freshman year, and I was going out there and got my ass knocked out. I got hit very hard. That sucked, but I still love him though. Um, but who hit you? I have no idea. I wish I knew, but it was good. It was good. It was good. I got hit. I don't know. It was just I went running. I was trying to get because we didn't have any more quarterbacks left. I don't know. If, right. I'm like yeah. Like you may would have had to come take a snap. Uh, we're gonna be me. And so I was trying to make my way to him, and I got hit. That was bad. Um, hurt. Uh, incidentally, that was when Moorhead and Ross got into it after the game. That was fun yeah. Too. Uh. But I'm partial. I'll go to war with a guy, and I love the way he makes his teammates around him better. I don't know what else you want. Turn on the film. That's where I get I get so, like, I don't understand it. How just turn on the film and watch the guys play. And the, my, my thing with Malik is he is an extremely talented human being. Mm-hmm. Extremely talented. Sure. But turn on the film. When the going gets tough – what does he what does he rely on to win games? His feet. Okay. His legs. Yeah. His legs. All right. Let's look at uh, and I, I said this on the podcast the other day, so if you didn't listen, go back and listen. But college Tyler's uh, podcast, by the way, is Home Visit with Tyler Siski and the Associates. It's on the MPW Digital uh, network. You should listen to it. He gets great guests as well. The um yeah, thank you, Tyler. The um but the college game is a twelve it's a twelve game season. Okay. Well, you play four directional schools a year or whatever, you get blown out or you blow somebody out. So your starting quarterback plays about nine, I think the average is like nine games in a quarter, a season, because the backups are playing the rest of the quarters, like in time, right? When the NFL, there's a 17-game regular season. Then you have playoffs, and they get another probably additional game time, one game time in the preseason counting. So you're really playing 18 games plus the playoffs. And if you're in the wild card, what are you playing? 22 games a season? Potentially, if everything goes well. And guess what? They don't come out of the game because NFL games are fourth quarter games. Very rarely do you see the backup quarterback coming and play if everybody everything's hunky dory and the guy's not hurt. And so these guys that that run the ball, aka Lamar Jackson, aka Cam Newton, aka Russell Wilson, these guys, aka Deshaun Watson, these guys that run the ball and that's their weapon, they don't stay healthy, and their shelf life is very limited. Cam Newton, the best college quarterback I've ever seen with my own two eyes, play the game. And yeah. then he doesn't last, what, four good years in the NFL? Maybe five? I don't even know the number. Yeah, I don't know the but number. But he's an MVP not too long ago. Sure. And now he can't even get a job. Yeah. 
And so the shelf life of those guys are low, regardless of how well you throw the ball. But it's a throwing league. And so you have to keep that in account. Is now they're playing, they're putting twice the amount of labor on their body and hits and running the ball. And then, yeah, do they win when Lamar Jackson plays? Absolutely. But when he doesn't play, what happens? So that's why I always, you know, for me, that's why Malik Willis, and then you, when the going gets tough, I mean, they may throw 17 passes in a game, but he's going to run for 220 yards. So where do you see Matt going, if you had to guess? There's, there is some movement. There's rumors. I don't see the Saints moving up to take Matt. Just, I, I mean, regardless of what I think, I think Malik Willis is going to be the first one. All, the, what's going to happen is somebody's going to jump up and take him because his workout was phenomenal. Yeah. But the game's not a workout. Um, I think Malik goes one, and I think Matt probably goes – of course, the Saints are there. Were they 16 or 18, somewhere in there? They're 16 and 19. 16 and 19. And there had been some talk about them combining those picks. I just I just don't think that's realistic. They have too many needs in their windows now. I think Matt and Pickett go in that last half of the first round. Um, and then I think the the, the players, which the one that's going to kind of tilt this whole deal are the Seahawks. That's the one that's going to – there's two things that are going to tilt the quarterback the next week. Okay. okay one's the Seahawks. they got to get a quarterback. They, I think they're at 44 in the second round, if my mind's right, somewhere in that early 40s. That sounds range. right, yeah. They're going to take who's left, it, unless they decide to go up and get one, unless they decide to spin an earlier pick. But they can sit there and probably get Sam Howell at 44 or whoever that last guy on the board left, or, or Matt, if Matt's the last one left. What's the – beyond the money, and obviously the money is you want to go as fast as you can and get, get as much as you can, but for Matt long term, what's the best scenario that could happen to him next week? First round pick. So the first round, just so the, I don't know if fans know this or not, but in the first round, the players have four years of guaranteed money. So when that, whenever they sign their initial deal, all of that money is guaranteed. Signing bonus, everything's guaranteed. Second round picks, just the first two years are guaranteed. Okay? So they can get cut penalty-free basically after that. So that's the only amount of money that's guaranteed. And if you're third round and beyond, there's nothing guaranteed. So that's why it's important – to make sure you're a first or second round. It's but is there a years. type of franchise? Is there a team that, that sticks out that's needing a quarterback? I mean, Pittsburgh, Seattle, New Orleans, Atlanta, Carolina, some of the teams that get talked about, Washington, that get talked about with quarterbacks. Is there one that you go, that's that's where I'd love to see him land because I think it would be best for him? Me personally, I'd probably say Pittsburgh out of that just because I know uh, I just like their franchise. Mm-hmm. I like the way they do things uh, from a quarterback standpoint, and they're not – they're, they give guys time. That was my next question. Does he need a year? Depends on where. You know, I think every. I don't think there's a short a sure fight. You know, if you're you know like last year, Trevor Lawrence going to Jacksonville, uh, Matt Will, or Wilson. Start saying Matt Wilson. Zach Wilson going to uh, the Jets. The Jets. Mm-hmm. They have no other options. The other, and that's what I was getting at. The other wrinkle in the, and is this guy named Baker Mayfield. Okay, there, there, there's still some free agents out there. Yeah, that, that's going to be picked up. That's going to change the dynamic of who's drafting what. I, I still think that's going to happen. Has Garoppolo landed yet? I don't know that. For some reason, I still think his name's still kind of floating around out there. For me, and that's what I was talking about on the podcast this week. Is for me with I'm drafting. I'm going to war with Matt. I like Kenny Pickett. I like Sam. I, I, I would have no problem starting those two guys. Now, but you got to know what you're getting. You're getting a uh, first-round quarterback with a team. Uh, But I would really like to see – I think Malik and I think uh, Sam Howell probably going to have to go somewhere where they have a 
you know, like a, a New Orleans with a Jameis Winston. They got a guy that's going to start for a year, bring him along, and then go. Uh, but Matt could do it. Um, I'm excited for him. I just, uh, it's just, it's pretty cool when you see him, you know, go as far as they've come since the guy got there. Oh, sure. It's fun. So I'm excited for him. Is there anybody, I know you've got some notes over there. Is there anybody, um, what do you watch? What's the first? What's the first spot in the draft that you're kind of watching? Going this? Okay, this is this is because you is I'm expecting a run on offensive linemen early. I'm expecting a run on wide receivers early, as that's become a premier position in the NFL uh, more and more. I mean, I think people saw what Jamar Chase his impact on the Bengals last year and its impact at the market. Now you have a lot of moves in the, with wide receivers. Uh, Debo Samuel saying he's not coming back to San Francisco. He wants out. Uh, so you have some trades that could happen. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of stuff. A lot of on. stuff could go on here in the next week that shapes that draft. But is there something that on draft night you're like, okay, this is the first, uh, the first pick? Okay. If Jacksonville doesn't take a left tackle, they should be shot. I mean, you just invested all this money in the off season trying to help your quarterback because you drafted number one last year. So who would you take? Because there's Neal. several. I would too. Evan Neal. I would too. It's not even. I don't even know what we're talking about. Yeah. Evan Neal. I watched him all last year, and I thought that's that guy is just. Now there's two now, Icky at NC State. Yeah, he's a dude. Yeah, but he's not better than. I mean, there's a little bit of difference, you know. And Evan Neal is Pro Bowl. I mean, he's better. He would have been the best offensive lineman in the draft last year, the year before. He's really good. And then the one I'm interested in because I want to see what our Bengals do down there at late. I know. Let me tell you who. Let me tell you who's going to go in the late, 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 late first round. That's going to be a, a Pro Bowler right away. Tyler Lindenbaum, right there. Tyler Lindenbaum, Iowa. Like if he, there he is, the Hawkeyes. That's the baddest dude that's ever played center, maybe in the history of football. I'm hoping he falls to them. He may because if he falls to them, they went out and they they revamped their offensive line to protect Burrow. Right. I mean, this is a team that went to the Super Bowl, was leading late in the fourth quarter of a Super Bowl with that offensive line. And now they've fixed it, really. And but if you add Lindenbaum and you, it lets you move the two other guys, makes you keep them at guard. In the center, though, like in that Joe's boy from like LSU or something, the center? Uh, yeah, but he can play a different spot. Yeah, that was the only thing I was thinking about. Yeah, they could move him to guard, and I think guard would be more natural position for him. Um, we got Lyle Collins. He's one of yeah. you know, LSU, LSU boy, yeah. Yeah, Joe's going to get those LSU guys in there. Um, the one I'm interested in, I know we've talked about this. I don't know. I'm sure you've talked about it a thousand times. But the most undervalued player in the SEC last year, who's the only receiver that's different than what's out there, is Traylon Burks. Yeah. And I was talking about this the other day, is he, he should give 3% of his signing bonus to A.J. Brown because, <laughs> you know, A.J., they're the same kind of player, same body type. Yeah. Okay, more not just you know receivers are either tall, lanky, long, and or they're you know shorter and faster. Now six foot, I say short. He's the six two two twenty guy. He's the boxy strong guy, and that's what AJ is. And so AJ, there was doubt on AJ's speed coming out. That was why he failed the second round. And then like when AJ left, I was like, what are you going to do? Catch more balls? I mean, the knock on him was he's a four five guy, not a four three or four four guy. That's what the NFL guys picked on because he was a mid four five guy. Well, it's Traylon Burks. I mean, it's all reincarnated. Yeah. Um, and Traylon's probably the closest and maybe the only time I can comp- compare somebody to A.J., that's who he is. And so I'd like to see where he goes. I think he was so undervalued. Uh, we talked about quarterbacks. I'm not going to waste your time there. And then uh, Sam Williams. I am. I can't even describe to you how happy I am for that kid. Um, he is going to be a steal in the draft. 
And because these the NFL is going to do it, man. I'm just telling you, it's going to be frustrating for Ole Miss people, and it's going to be really frustrating for yeah. Sam because he's not going to go first round. He's probably not going to go second round, and he's going to get into that third round, and people are going to get antsy, and it's and someone's someone in, a, in an organization is finally going to say the obvious thing, which is, you know, people do grow up. Yeah, people do change, and 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 a lot for a lot of people. The thing that changes you is becoming a father. And when you watch Sam, and I'm just telling you, and two years ago I thought this dude's out of control. He's he's on his way to prison. He isn't so he is not going to handle life well. I, I, I remember when he got arrested and stuff thinking, What a waste. I mean, he's just not gonna and, and to his credit and to the people around him's credit, he put it together. And and that little boy has changed the way he thinks. He's changed the way he talks. If you go back and watch Sam's interview with the media after his pro day workout, it's night and day difference. In much the same way that Matt Corral's changed over time. Um, but but an organization, someone's going to go. You know what? I'll put my job on it. I bet he doesn't get in trouble. I bet he's a model citizen. I bet I bet he keeps playing for his son. And guys, he's a first round talent. No question about that. You know, and I I didn't get into it on my podcast, but I obviously know. I think I've probably talked to you about it. Um, in all of my years, probably the the what he has come from, yeah, and what he has gone through. And we talk about movies, The Blind Side, and all that stuff. It doesn't hold a candle to this. Um, that's why I'm proud because people that come from he's had every reason to quit he's had every reason to do that you know and he succeeded and he is he i'm just i can't be more ecstatic for the kid because he's worked his ass off not only physically but but mentally and the way he carries himself and like you said he became a father and just he has um he's made it and i can't i and you know i love his you know adopted mother and and just his whole situation people have no idea they really don't and as bad as you think it could be it's a promise you it's i know we've talked it's a thousand times worse than you could probably ever imagine um and the worst one i've ever been a part of i'm just so happy for him um but to your point the reason he would get into the third round is because there wouldn't be any guaranteed money if he right if, if, and if so it's a, that's safer yep. on the business. That's sure. the business side of the NFL. Yeah, and that's so, going to be the the price he pays. I'm afraid, but but I'm not. Some, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody late on Friday on Friday night decides to bump up and say, "Okay, I'll do it." Like you're saying. Yep. They got that 24 hours to think, and they go, "You know what we can do?" We I can. keep hoping our Bengals do it. <sighs> I'm boy. You put an athlete like that on that defensive line in Cincinnati. Oof. They need it too. Yeah, because they kind of got by with just some. Blue collar, hard nosed guys up front. Cincinnati did. You had a freak of an athlete like that. Yeah, I'm just I'm excited for him, and then uh, and put him in, and, and and I'd like to see him in an organization that has some veterans and stuff like that. But I I think Sam's going to be great. I really do. I I just I watch Sam with his little boy, and I think it's fine. Everything's fine. And he's always been. You know, we talk about good hearted people. Yeah. I mean, I love the kid. Yeah. Like even in issues he had or whatever. It it wasn't he. It's not like he was a bad kid. You know, he just he upbringing. 
yeah. you know, where he came from and things like that. Just an unbelievable human being. Um, I mean, he's just so lovable. You know what I mean? You can't not love the kid once you know him. I mean, he's just – he's a lovable dude. And then you know who the first running back is going to be off the board, right? Who? He's one of those three-star guys that nobody wanted us to recruit around here. Brees Hall from Kansas. <laughs> we ended up, you know, we uh, they didn't want us to take a three-star Brees Hall from Kansas, so we we took it worked out. We took Tony, Con- we took uh, Snoop Connor, but Brees Hall. Ole Miss fans have no idea how close Brees Hall was to being a rebel. I have no idea. Is that one that keeps you up at night a little bit? A little bit. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> a little bit, and it wasn't because we couldn't have got him. Yeah, we made a decision to go somewhere else. But yeah, it keeps me up a little bit. Every time I see him, Heisman Trophy. That's always <laughs> yeah, it keeps me uh, a little bit, a little bit. I always laugh at coaches like I don't. We don't pay attention to what you guys say or write or what the fans are. Like, okay, sure. Oh, I mean, how could you not? That's all I heard. Three star, three star. That's why on the podcast, on my podcast, so now that you know, Weldon says, "Don't tell Clay." Oh, well, that's I, I was literally about to say I had written down. So Weldon knows this. So <laughs> Clay Karcher, who works for me now, is kind of be my right hand guy at Alabama. Ole Miss, and then now he's working with me. Uh, so he finds Brees Hall. And ironically, this he's got a knack for finding running backs. Don't ask me why. Uh, well, he's probably laughing right now. He also found Josh Jacobs at Alabama. You know, he was a last week signing before signing day. Yeah. I mean, he's pretty – he's got a knack for it. So it, he brings he brings Brees Hall. We like him. We go down there and we're like, we're not taking a running back from Kansas. Look who he's playing against. So we ended up taking Snoop and then Clay – Clay, uh, so we may or may not send uh, every time there is a Brees Hall mention <laughs> publicly. Yeah. There's a there's a group thread with former coaches here at Ole Miss that we yeah. that we post that in, and we get the bird flip back at us and things like that. So, what what led to ultimately not taking him was it the fact that you were afraid of the pushback you'd get for not for taking him instead of a local kid? No, it, it's there wasn't a whole lot separating him and Snoop. And you're going to take the in-state kid anyway yeah. um, over that. And then the level of competition, you know, Snoop's playing 6A football Mississippi. He's playing the military. There, there were some things that led to that, uh, but very similar. I'm going to be honest with you. Snoop Connor, wherever he goes, if you put Snoop and did the same things that Brees Hall did at Iowa State, you'd probably have similar results. Dude can play. Yeah, Dude's an NFL running back. He's going to get – he's going to get – just keep an eye on that one. I think he's going to make it. I think my, uh, my friend Chance Campbell's going to get drafted. I yep. think it's going to be the end of the draft, but I do think he's getting drafted. I think sixth round. Guys like that, dependable guys that yeah. can play teams. Like and I and I tell you, if you want to play in the NFL and you're not a first round pick, be good on special teams. Yeah, he'll do and all he'll of do, that. Well. He'll do all of it great. Yeah. He'll he'll get paid, and he'll he's a guy that'll turn around and be look up, and he'll be seven eight years in the league, and you know as long as he stays healthy. I think so too. But uh, yeah, that's, that's good stuff, man. Hey, thanks for the time. I really appreciate it. I know I, t- I told you, hey, can you give me 20 minutes? And you came yeah. and gave me about an hour, 39. Well, uh, so. You know, Clay, Clay's probably not watching, but uh, there, I'm, he's probably cussing me right now because I told him I'd make some phone calls for him this afternoon. But what he doesn't know is that it is, what, it's 2.46 here in about an hour. Because when I leave you, so I live, people don't know this, I live right behind uh, Neil. So I'm going back and I'm packing and I'm going to Talladega. Oh, is that this weekend? Oh, yeah, it's this weekend. Okay. Everybody's doing the double-decker thing this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going, that is my double-decker. Yeah. All right, so we got a little uh, we got a little man trip planned, and uh, tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock uh, there will be some uh, some well-known uh, former home visit uh, guest. Yeah. We're, we're going to have a little foursome at the country club. We're going to see if we can play 100 holes tomorrow. <laughs> and then we're going to be at, the, uh, at Talladega on Speedway Boulevard going to the Riley Green concert Saturday night. And uh, – so if you hey, if you see us out there, come by and say hello. 
we'll get you uh come by and say hello but we'll be at talladega from the infield to the garage to the speedway boulevard to the suites we got we got it all covered that's so awesome we well, all have fun um appreciate the time again as always again uh thanks to richard cross earlier uh for his time on the show thanks to tyler thanks to everybody for making us a part of um your week each week Please don't forget Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating, making this show possible week after week after week. We really appreciate it. Um, again, a couple of reminders of things that are in uh, the MPW Digital um, feed. Uh, the Peyton Chatney Show. I think I think it's up. It might still be processing. It might even have to get reloaded. Let me look here. I'm curious. No, it's a bad pod, but I'm I'm actually legitimately curious. I think it's still processing. Yep. So it's got to get reloaded. Um, anyway, that's that'll be there, but it's in podcast form. And then the Troy Brown Show is uh, available to you as well, the premiere edition of that show. So um, check all that out. Please hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, tell a friend, all that stuff. And uh, thanks for uh, being with us. Enjoy your weekend. We'll have coverage of Ole Miss Mississippi State uh, baseball. There's some recruiting uh, coverage up on the site. We'll have some football to you as well. Grove Bowl on Saturday at noon. And uh, depending on what happens with me and jury duty, we'll be back with you here on uh, Monday morning. Guilty. With another edition of the Oxford Exxon podcast. Until then, take care. That's how you get out of them things. Guilty. Oh, I'm sorry. What was it? You asked for my name, sir? <laughs>